0: Hello and welcome to NashyCast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashy. I am Rod Barnett. And I'm Troy Gwynn. And this is episode four, where we venture into the land of Egypt, or at least a reasonable studio-bound <laughs> yeah. approximation of it. So or, anyway, tonight we do Vengeance of the Mummy. We won't attempt the Spanish translation, the Spanish version of the title, although now we've actually got a handle on how to say it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Elena. <laughs> yeah, thank you,
0: Elena. Uh, speaking of Elena, we'll, we'll get to the fact that uh, in one translation, we have a character in this film named Elena. And it's always translated as Helen, so now at least we know...
1: Yes, okay, you're right. If she
0: came to the States, we'd have to
1: call we'd her Helen. We'd have to call her Helen. Anyway. Okay, so no. Get used to that. Yeah, yeah, hey,
0: get, hey. get used to that. Nevertheless, this is the fourth episode of Nashicast, and we are going to delve into a film that I think deserves a whole lot of respect. I was really happy to see in that uh, recent Rue Morgue, Mm -hmm. That they paid a lot of attention to this Mm -hmm. film and the interview with Paul Naschy, as well as kind of singling it out as one of the better films from the early seventies that he did.
1: I certainly found like uh, some of those. He had some of those interesting things to say about that film, which we'll get into get into a little bit. True, true. He he
0: had some he had some he had some interesting things to say about it in in his book and in a couple of other interviews as well. I have to come right out of the closet and admit that I'm a huge mummy film fan. I love Mm -hmm. mummy movies. Uh, The only mummy movies that I will confess to you that I think absolutely suck the Mm. suck of the damned would be those god-awful things called The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Thrust upon uh, hey, the yeah you yeah, know i don't even... About. Yeah, no, it's exactly, the, the, I the the god awful Steven Summers Raiders of the Lost Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark attempts
1: I think I even must have pushed those out of my memory because I didn't know what you were going to say you know, oh right there, you know, I had to think abismal. for a second when you said the titles I had to think what he's talking about so I guess I've just pushed yeah. them out of my you know just tried tried to block that's, them out that's
0: that's that's really the best way one of one of the one of the most <laughs> appalling nights of my life was when uh, my buddy Jeff and I went to see the Mummy the night it opened the Friday night it opened we were all excited and went to see it and mm-hmm. Boy, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And there came a point when I realized, this isn't a damn money movie. They're trying to remake Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're doing it poorly. Who is this hack bastard making this thing? I want him dead. And with each passing film, Stephen Summers has proven to be a complete piece of crap. And if you ever suffer through Von Helsing, trust me, you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, now that you got that off your chest, uh, um, I yeah. I'm so, Don't sorry, around the is, bush, Rod. Tell us what you really. Yeah, really yeah. Think. Let me, let me, let me move, move past my <laughs> hatred of Stephen Summers and his hackery <laughs> into uh, talking more about the film at hand. I, I cannot explain exactly why I'm such a fan of mummy films. I really can't. I will even say. That I'm not a particular huge fan of the Boris Karloff mummy film from '32.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, uh,
0: I like it and I respect it quite a bit, yeah. but for my tastes, it doesn't have nearly enough mummy well, ass kicking.
1: Let's face it, we carry that from our childhood. Yeah, and the first time we caught it as a kid, you're like the opening scene just kicks such ass, and the whole rest of the film, you're like. Where's the so, mummy?
0: So, uh, yeah, but it, hey Karloff's it's cool, this, but where's the mummy? It's, yeah, it's this wrinkled bastard in the Fez? <laughs> wrinkled <laughs> bastard in the fizz. That's our mummy. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> think that's our mummy, man. Yeah. Uh, I
1: know. It's one of those that as you get older you 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 definitely begin to admire you know, the other things about the film, you know. Yeah. To, it's ultimately it's still it's it's
0: it's easy to to admire sad. as an adult than yeah. as a young yeah, definitely. Because there ain't a whole lot of of get up and go to the film. But I do love I do love it now. now,
1: Yeah, now I find Karloff's just sheer presence is absolutely mesmerizing in the film. He's truly incredible. Something otherworldly about him, but you just don't pick up in that as a kid when you're just waiting for the mummy to come busting out of somewhere. But
0: having said that, I am a huge mummy film fan and I have to admit that the sad little four film set of mummy movies that Universal produced in the forties are films that I return to again and again and again,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like some obsessive-compulsive stalker. <laughs> I watch those movies repeatedly. Uh, there can be no October without me watching at least one, if not all four of the damn things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love the... Uh, of course, I'll, I'll say this. I think the the best mummy movie of all time is actually... Hammer's 1959 mummy film with Christopher Lee and oh, Peter I Cushing.
1: Re- I agree with you totally on that.
0: I think it is absolutely fantastic, and I think it kicks all kinds of ass. And I will say right now, and
1: Tom Weaver, if you're listening, just by any chance, we apologize, but you just <laughs> got to face the truth, buddy. It's the best mummy movie. It's the best
0: mummy movie. Period. End of sentence. But nevertheless, I will say right now that I think now having rewatched Vengeance of the Mummy, the Nasty film we're talking about tonight, having rewatched it a few times here in the past mm-hmm. few weeks. This is my second favorite mummy movie, right behind the Hammer film. This is a really good movie, and as a matter of fact, my most recent viewing, as I've watched it now three times in the past couple of weeks, getting ready to talk about it, and I have to say that uh, it's kind of crept up a little bit in my estimation
2: mm-hmm. with
0: each viewing. Mm-hmm. Same here. Um, even even the crappy English dub can't kill it. Right. And right. it that crappy English dub really tries hard to it's, kill it. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. Uh, our, our film uh, for tonight is The Vengeance of the Mummy. It uh, came out in 1973. In case you're unaware, in this podcast, we do go through the films from beginning to end. I guess a spoiler warning is probably the best bell to ring at this point, because we're going to spoil the living crap out of it down to insanely ridiculous details. So uh, if you've not seen the film, I recommend uh, you either don't worry too much about the fact that we're going to spoil the crap out of it, or go find a copy of it. Because or, you're going to enjoy it.
1: And if you'd like to bitch at us about that or compliment us on it or send us any other suggestions, we now have somewhere you can do that.
0: Correct. We now have a, a, an email address. We have an email address. You can send uh, comments, suggestions, curses, uh, damnation, anything you'd like to send mm-hmm. to us
2: mm-hmm.
0: to uh, tell us how we're doing well or how we're doing poorly or what you think of us uh, one way or the other. It's Nashicast at gmail.com. Pretty easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Nashicast, all one word, of course. Uh, please uh, feel free to email us and uh, praise us for how great we are at this, mm-hmm. or how miserably awful we are, whichever you think is the truth. Maybe make some suggestions on films you'd like us to touch on yes, in the definitely. future. Yep. We've already kind of decided what uh, the fifth podcast will be about, and we'll get to that near the end of this one, so that you'll know what mm-hmm. uh, what, we'll, what we'll be talking about next.
1: And those of you that use uh, those of you that use iTunes regularly, you can subscribe to us now through the podcast iTunes. You can get us that way.
0: Yes, yes. A simple search for NashyCast will will get you there. Easy, easy, easy.
1: Which is amazing because I would have just thought there was hundreds of people doing this, uh, <laughs> doing, doing podcasts on Paul Nashy. I, I, I will
0: tell you this is the nichiest niche podcast <laughs> I have ever heard of in my life. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who else in the world would have thought to do this tonight. The Vengeance of the Mummy. First up, let's talk about uh, alternate titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there really aren't. No, not Many alternate titles. Uh, the only alternate mm-hmm. title to really speak of is the uh, a, a real literal translation yeah. of it for the English title, which is "The Mummy's Revenge," mm-hmm. which means no weird, strange little titles or sh- mm-hmm. offshoots of it that right. <laughs> would get would get you kind of mm-hmm. amused. It's the well, vengeance once of the again,
1: mummy. you know, once again, uh, as similar with uh, as we said about *Horror Rises from the Tomb*, I think in one case the title is just really pretty much as exploitable as you need. You know, yeah. I don't think it was any cases to tweak it or to you know to make it sound more. You know, it pretty much says it all, and that pretty much says it for whatever target audience you're wanting to bring in there.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Nevertheless, 1973 *Vengeance of the Mummy*. This is uh, one of the four films directed by Carlos Alred. For the four, he did four films with Paul Nashy. This is one of those four. They did them in rapid succession, and yes. they were all four of them are really good, and we'll end up covering all four of them. Uh, the, we've already covered uh, their first collaboration, "Horror Rises from the Tomb," and um, we will eventually get to "Blue Eyes the Broken Doll" as well. Have no fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With this film, as I said, I love mummy movies. I'm not a, a fanatic on Egyptology. Or the country of Egypt. I just there's something about mummies. I don't know what it is, and I can't explain it.
1: Well, and, I know on the Nashi's on the, Nashies, on the uh, profile of Nashi that's on uh, I think on the Mark of Nashi website, uh, he actually lists his favorite civilization as being Egypt, and it's interesting that he I guess this was his one
0: yeah uh, take on it, yeah. or I
1: guess his one chance to, and so maybe that's why he throws everything <laughs> into. Every possible uh, maybe so. Egyptian reference, and and you know, and a lot of things I'd never even heard of. But maybe that's why it's so. It's, it sometimes to be a little, almost a little convoluted at parts as far as like just so much
0: names well, does, and mythology. He, he does. He does seem to cram as much as he can into it, and th- for me, that works really effectively because I I like having something that feels a little too dense at times, sure, at yeah, least yeah, as far yeah. as the tale is concerned. Yeah. It's it's a heck of a movie. I'm I've really enjoyed revisiting this film, and um, I just wish that a you know some really good a really good DVD of it would come out in uh, Region One, a really good uh, yeah. version of it. But we will have to say, um, Troy and I both have gone through a subtitled version of the film with it's the Spanish language version version with some very good English subtitles, and we've also sat through the uh, the English dub. And we'll also, as we go through this, be comparing. There are a few little differences, some things that uh, were snipped out of the English dub. Right? Uh, they're, ver- they're very small things, but they're, they're kind of odd, and-, and we'll make mention of them as we go along. We'll, we'll go ahead and get started. We'll, we'll come mm-hmm. to those as we go. The film starts with a uh, well under the credits we have uh, some kind of uh, basically some faux Egyptian artwork right, right. Uh, underneath the credits as they play very nice opening thing. very very, really very nice opening thing. I love the
1: score uh, believe in it's uh, Alfonso Santisteban I believe is is a
0: uh, great music yeah, love yeah. the score quite a bit we fade from a uh, from kind of the faux Egyptian artwork to the first scene mm-hmm. it's very nicely done and we're in the 18th century.
3: 18th
1: Dynasty. I'm sorry, 18th guess, yeah, Dynasty, yeah, right, not mm-hmm. 18th Century. Mm-hmm. 18th Dynasty. We'll get to the yeah, yeah, we'll get to the 18th Century. Or, or the no, 20th no. Century, I guess. The early, early Oh, no, no,
0: that's century. right, yeah. yeah
1: it's um, a little bit of a, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of an interesting, kind of put it in time context. But right now, we know we're in the 18th Dynasty. It's not
0: a happy time. The, the Pharaoh at the time is named Amenhotep. And he's a brutal, despot and tyrant. And of course, he's played by Paul Nash. Yes. He's pure evil and he's played by Paul Nash. Now, Nashi as an Egyptian. Let's talk briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Film history is replete with mm-hmm. actors playing ethnic types mm-hmm. to which they do not belong. <laughs> uh, amusingly so. One can talk about the sheer embarrassment of watching Mickey Rooney attempt to be Japanese uh-huh. in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Actually, one can just think about it and cringe. John this... Wayne playing Genghis Khan. Yeah. <laughs> John <laughs> Wayne playing Genghis Khan. Oh my god, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> oh, you are so correct. But here we have, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'll, I'll, it's, it's easier for me to take an obvious non-Egyptian as an Egyptian in film than it is for a lot of other things. I don't know why it is,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and may, maybe it's a bizarre blind spot, but I, I don't mind mm-hmm. Nashi playing an Egyptian any more than I mind any of the other actors right. playing Egyptians right. as well.
1: Well, you could not have asked for a, you know, a, you could not ask for more of a physical contrast, you Boris Karloff. And, you know, whereas <laughs> Karloff with his, you know, with his fez on it and everything, look basically like a giant pencil in, uh, in the <laughs> original mummy. Uh, she's about as different as, you know, well, with beast, his bodybuilder, yeah. you know, with his weightlifter body. But, you know, but who are we to say that, you know.
0: Well, does, and that's just it. I mean, and, and his body type is not exactly the body type that I would think yeah. of as someone who was born and bred in a, in a country mostly that you think of as desert. Mm hmm. We're in the 18th dynasty. Amenhotep is the brutal despot. Uh, he's a tyrant. He turned the desert sand red with blood. Yep. Not a nice guy.
1: And that's the difference between, you know, And this last... Now, once again, we're, we're going to be coming up on... Uh... You know the kind of the, uh, again the old staple of Euro cinema the the whipping and torturing of chained oh, yeah, up women yeah. which we just had in the last national cast with Night of the Howling Beast. Now in that case, <laughs> whereas the uh, guy who was doing that was sort of ostensibly doing it for a purpose uh, uh, because he was you know using it as part of some sort of far fetched uh, medical cure for this ailment he had on his back. In this case, uh, this this character is just basically an asshole. <laughs> you know that, that's all you can really say about. So you can say about is he's just really he just really wants done. to
0: kill these women and, yeah. and well and I will say this he is at least drinking their blood. It's not mm-hmm. like he's just tossing mm-hmm. everything away. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean there's a, there's a purpose in that respect, right? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I I'm sorry, I got to drink the blood. Now once mm-hmm. again, we're told that these are virgins. Yes. So yeah. he's he's drinking the blood of virgins. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we're t- now we see while he's watching them being tortured, he's like eating what sort of looks like these little beanie weenies, you know, on these uh, these toothpicks, you know, all that he's being fed. Yeah, and no, then, of course, really... later in the movie, they make a reference to the fact that he also ate human flesh. So they maybe supposed to be human beanie weenies. I don't know, you know. But it's, it's it, I'm going. Back, I'm going like...
0: to assume that that's what it was yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it's just creepier that way. Yeah. Nevertheless, he's he also had his main consort, the uh, the very beautiful Armina,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who is uh, played by the actress Rena. Rena mm-hmm. Ottolini, who did not make very many films. Uh, she yeah, I was plays, wondering about that. I yeah, she did not done. make very many films at all. Uh, I was really kind of surprised because she's a gorgeous she woman. Is.
1: And both and striking as both an Egyptian and then, as we see later, as... Right, a, right.
0: She's very easy to believe as an mm-hmm. Egyptian, yeah. her, her, her body type. But she really only made four other films mm. past this. This was a, apparently her first film. And past this, she made just four more films. And after 1975, never made another one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, kind of strange. Anyway, the very, very attractive Rina Ortolini plays Armana, and she's just as cruel and bloodthirsty as Amenhotep. Uh, they drink the blood of virgin women, and we should also point out this. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to point it out at some point. I'm am I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in. The this is the clothed version of the film. No matter what version of the movie you run aclo- across, you will not find the uh, nudity filled version. Because apparently it's lost. No yeah. one can lay hands on it. No yeah. one's even seen a print. Yeah, Nashie apparently had version.
1: really wanted to hunted for trying to you know find a print of it and never could. And,
0: and uh, I will just stay, say now that... Uh, More's the pity is what yeah, I'm basically saying. Yeah, no kidding. Not only is Miss Miss Odalini gorgeous and very, very close to nude at many points, this film once again stars Helga linne in a in a supporting role, as a matter of fact, in almost mm-hmm. the exact same supporting role that she played in *Hard Rising*. Exactly. Of yes, yeah. She and and she strides around in a, 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 a near bikini style outfit that simply drives me completely insane. Yeah, she insane. wears she
1: wears Egyptian wear very
0: well. Whew, is it Egyptian wear or is it just <laughs> meant to drive men insane? Um. Wow. Well, nevertheless, um, back to the film. We, <laughs> we as I'm getting off track, drilling over women. What we have is um. Since he's so evil and so corrupt, and everything is uh, apparently things are not going as well as they should, right? Uh, the high priest of amun Ra has been has decided that something has to be done about this now. And this let's... guy's name
1: is Amshah, I believe, is how what they call him at least in the subtitle version. But yes, a high priest of Amen Ra, but I believe his own name is Amshah.
0: And this is one cadaverous-looking mofo.
1: i got to ask you, was that makeup, or is this a guy? Or is It this almost guy has, this? To it yeah,
0: has to be. It has to be makeup. I don't because I didn't know if it was maybe
1: he was sort of a Reggie Naldor type who literally had a skin, know. you know, a burned, had burned condition, or if it was makeup, but it whatever it is, it's very interesting that this character, who looks like he would be sheer evil, it's interesting that he he's actually basically, in a sense, for his time, doing...
0: Well, yeah, he's doing the he's right, doing thing. The right he's, thing.
1: He's doing the right thing. He wants to get rid of the bombing hotel. He
0: looks absolutely evil, and the mm-hmm. actor, I'm not... I cannot remember the actor's name who played him to to save my life I can't remember who he is but at the same time if that is what he really looks like oh my god Mm -hmm. I assume that some of that had to be makeup but if it were makeup it was very very well done it was. It It was. was very effective stuff anyway the The high priest decides that he's got to do away. He's got to do away with the pharaoh. He's 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 running the he's running essentially running the country into the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fighting wars they don't need to fight. Plus, he's a bloodthirsty bastard killing everything in sight. We got to do away with this. So he poisons the pharaoh.
1: Right before that, I have to say I love oh, this way. I love this where the the soldier comes in and tells the pharaoh basically tells wow. Amenhotep that his armies have just got their butts kicked. Out there, and he he responds as you might expect. I'll you know kill all my generals, and you know, and he's really bummed out about this. And
0: yeah, I'll, sla- I'll slaughter the generals. And
1: Armand is like, you know, she's like to cheer him up. She's like, we'll kill ten, we'll kill, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll sacrifice ten. For vir- I just, I just love this, you know. We'll sacrifice oh,
0: ten virgins. Everything will be fine. <laughs> we sacrifice ten virgins. You know what it is. Yeah. It's like it's like a normal modern response would be. Oh, come on, honey, let's let's go eat some Rocky Road yes. ice cream and, <laughs> and curl up on the couch and yeah. and watch some Friends episodes. Yeah, <laughs> the, exactly. Let's just kill ten virgins, <laughs> drink their blood, or yeah. maybe It'll all seemed
1: better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. But you're right. They do. Uh, uh, they do manage to conspire to get him to drink the uh, drink the poison
0: goblet. Uh, so he's at, he's uh, dying, and he says, as he's well, he's not he's not really dying. He he claims. That his body is going to sleep, mm-hmm. but that his brain is still alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: High Priest and some of his henchmen come in and uh, stab Armana to yeah. death. Yeah, kill her. And uh, so she's laid out there dead and bleeding, and he is, I guess, paralyzed would be the best. That's word. never of They never really use that word because like, he's right. still conscious mm-hmm. because then as they decide to do what they do to him, which mm-hmm. is they don't kill him. Right. Whatever this poison was paralyzes him, <laughs> <it>, and they <laughs> mummify him. Right. So they mummify him alive. Um, and
1: basically, tell him that they're going to bury him in, or entomb him in such a way that he won't have any of the usual things put in the tomb that's supposed to ensure, uh, when they put someone in the tomb to ensure their passage into the underworld, uh, they say passage. Uh, he's not going to have any of that.
0: Right. Well, what what the, what, the, the, what the high priest says mm-hmm. is, you will wander in the world of the unknown for all eternity, mm-hmm. without peace or rest, and you will be you will be denied entrance. To the world of the dead, Anubis will never pass judgment on your spirit. Yeah. Essentially, they're cursing him to a, a form of eternal life that he can never be—he yeah. can that can never, never change. This is when we get. This is when we know. Okay, he's he's obviously supposed to be still, you know, conscious right. in this because we have the voiceover. We have him doing this voiceover where essentially he lays out, uh, a, a, well, I guess, what you would call a curse.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, damn I always knew you hated me But I am still powerful And the forces of evil will help me Someday I'll be free of my immobility And I'll heap all my hate Of the centuries unto the world My dearest Amarna Will also return to me And will be united in the world of the unknown My descendants will carry out my will
0: My descendants will carry out my will I'm glad he knew this I'm mm-hmm. glad he decided this is mm-hmm. how he's going to approach this. Nevertheless, we've mm-hmm. got uh, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: we've got the voiceover curse. Yes, and then they lay him out uh, in a sarcophagus, mm-hmm. seal the room, and then we have some simple time lapse photography. Right. And we're mm-hmm. centuries later, and the next thing we see uh, are people breaking into the tomb.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Here we have. Jack Taylor.
1: Jack Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Let's Jack it.
0: Taylor. Give it up for yeah. your are cult actor you're going <laughs> to see in dozens of films from this time period. Mm-hmm. You're going to see him in so many movies, you're going to wonder... Do, what kind of contract did, the man did he offer? Did, yeah, did, did, yeah. did he rest? Did he sleep? <laughs> what, was he doing this for free? Was he doing it for pennies on a dollar? What in God's name? Jack Taylor plays—I oh, forget the character's
1: name—Nathan uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan Stern, Nathan Professor Stern.
0: Professor Nathan, Nathan Stern, and he's there with his wife Abigail. Mm-hmm. They break into the into the room uh, where he where Amenhotep is laid out. And Abigail,
1: by the way, is always the height of fashion, no matter what the situation. I love the fact that her pith helmet has her nice little uh, scarf, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, nice yeah. little pretty scarf tied around it. I couldn't tell
0: if she's she will, ever she will venture
1: she will venture with this guy anywhere, as we'll find out in the film. Oh, but know. but she always makes sure she's dressed to the nines. She's uh,
0: she's always mm. dressed well. Yes. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure if she were dropped into the pits of hell, somehow or another, she would maintain a a perfect facade. Yeah. uh, Now, I have to say right off that I have a hard time believing the supposed centuries-old age of what they walk into.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: But
0: I'm willing to suspend disbelief. Not a big deal.
1: I think they did well with did probably well what they I think, yeah, with what they... You have to assume that the budget was not huge on this, you know, not by our standards yeah. and not what you know. And I think they did... You know, I think costumes and sets are... They put some time and thought into them. You know, I think they did... Oh, well, As no. we'll see through the film, they found, again, as as is typical with a lot of national films, wonderful locations to film in. Yeah. Um, and I think, like... But I know what you mean. I mean, it's it's not exactly...
0: This, the, this is the one spot in the film where... I, I think that its production values don't quite get it, right? And yeah, because I, I think they yeah. did. Otherwise, I think they did a yeah. really fine job of establishing the period. Yeah. But at this point, in in the film, they come in, they discover it, and then they talk about the fact that hey, we'll we'll take this back and have Sir Douglas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, help us with this. He can. Uh, we they find the papyrus that's there, mm-hmm. which they mispronounce in the in the English <laughs> dub as papyrus. <laughs> Papyrus, <laughs> uh, uh, man, yeah, yeah. Listening to the English dub, yeah, is a never-ending cycle of beating your head against the wall. Papyrus, yeah, no, it's not. It's papyrus, man. Come on, it's it's not. It's not. I, I'm anyway. And
1: they pick up pretty quickly on the same, on the fact that how much is missing from you know how much he should be in there that are normally with yeah. people of royalty or people who are in tombs, you know that and, and they don't find that, so they automatically notice. Okay, something's wrong, something's different here. Something's wrong with how this guy was was laid to rest.
0: Talk about uh, taking 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 it back to England. How exciting this is going to be! Mm-hmm. This is going to make them famous worldwide.
1: They make a reference to the fact that this Sir Douglas that's going to help them. They say we'll help him forget his sorrow. So already we know that this character that is there is there's something tragic about this guy who they're yeah. coming to this professor or that they're going to be studying this uh, mummy with.
0: And then we cut to uh, London.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now let's talk about the fact that. We now have a full one minute and depending on which version you're watching, it's either one minute or a minute and twenty seconds of footage of London establishing that we are Make in London. Make sure that we know. Make sure we know we're in London. It goes on for freaking ever. It
1: does. Now the event. now the better the, the, the good thing about it is unlike the film we did last time, Night of the Howling Beast, when they show London they don't play bagpipes. <laughs> 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 which confused the hell out of us last time. It's like it's like, this oh, time yeah, this time you know. This is London, with no 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 mistake.
0: Okay, I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> grant you that. I'm not going to argue the fact. Yes, you're correct. But you know, honestly, 15 mm. seconds or yeah. or or, mm. or so would have done mm. just fine to yeah. establish. Hey, look, the Natural Museum of History. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Here we are, and that we are, we are introduced to the museum that uh, I believe is I believe has uh, to be Lansbury, fictional. Lansbury,
1: uh, the Lans- Lansbury Art Foundation, or something the, like the that. The Lansbury
0: Foundation, which is the museum that yeah. uh, the professor both lives at and works at.
1: By the way, at least over this montage, or this footage, we do get to hear that great score again. So that's yeah. one benefit. To you know, I, I really minutes. do like the score, that's, yes. and
0: that's true. So we uh, we're, we're in London, and they're meeting. They have brought the sarcoph- sarcophagus in. They're they're talking with uh, Sir Douglas, and uh, he was in a wheelchair. Who's, yeah, he he's wheelchair bound, and he's there. He obviously lives in the museum with his his daughter uh, called uh, Elena. If you pay attention to um, the Spanish pronunciation. Uh-huh but translated as Helen, both mm -hmm. in the English dub and in the subtitles. Mm -hmm. So she's Helen or Elena, however you want to call it. And he talks about how he's looking, he's looked over the papyrus already. And he's, uh, he's talking about how this, this is Amenhotep. He says, he says flat out that this guy has been sleeping for thousands of years. Now at that point, when he says it that way, you 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 think he's kind of just being poetic. He's kind Mm -hmm. of being poetical about, wow, this discovery, this, this untapped Mm -hmm. tomb, He's been sleeping for thousands of right. years, but of course, he's actually saying what we know I mean, to, to be, be true. It's really
1: true. He literally is sleeping, yes.
0: Now, um,. There are a few small trims right around this area. There's uh, just a few seconds taken out here and there to kind of trim up what I have to admit is kind of a draggy section here. Where and we,
1: I was going to say the same thing about that to kind of where you talk about, yeah, well, just this whole sequence here up to where he has them uh, wait for him, where he's where they're kind of like in the dining yeah, room waiting yeah. for him. To, yeah, that's very. The, we, needed, we, we go we go from where the
0: sarcophagus there. is. To uh, where they're having dinner, and the the dinner scene is like there, there's a section of it where there's no dialogue, and you like, well, come on. And he he goes to get his translation right. of the of the papyrus and come back, and it's this Real, long drawn out sequence yeah. that doesn't need to be this. In the long. English
1: dub, there's actually one line of dialogue that's included in there uh, that they actually I guess I guess in the subtitled version the, the they start the scene right after it, but Nathan Stern actually says, I've never seen him this excited and yeah. it's a one line of dialogue but it actually is one thing where the advantage of the English dub it actually throws something in there where somebody says something because you go on this long thing where you just somebody say something what's, you know, it's, it's really just kind of there there's going
2: to be something here
0: <laughs> the, 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 Sir, Sir Douglas comes back in and he, he reads this translation of the, uh, the scroll or the papyrus mm-hmm. speaking of the 42 spirits of evil
4: Amenhotep, monstrous pharaoh of Egypt wrought the most horrendous tragedies on its people making an alliance with the 42 evil spirits of the unknown, employing them for his own despicable crimes. Drinking the blood of virgins and eating the flesh of his fellow men at diabolical banquets, he honored these same renegade spirits. For his own pleasure, he killed his fellow men without pause. Amin Ra is just and powerful, and he gave us the strength to confront this evil tyrant. And today, during the seventh moon, punishment finally arrived for this unscrupulous Pharaoh. We must inter this Pharaoh alive so that his black spirit will wander for eternity without peace nor rest, united forever with his putrefying corpse. His tomb will be empty of everything necessary for his soul to live in eternal peace in the land of the dead. Amarna, his evil mistress, has also been punished, and her spirit will not find peace either, because her sinful body will never be mummified. In the seventh moon and during the 18th dynasty, Anshat Sumo, High Priest of Amun-Ra.
5: You'll have to pardon me. I'm afraid I have a splitting headache. You'll excuse me, won't you?
6: Good night, Helen. I just don't understand her sometimes. I think that maybe the blood of her mother overcomes her education.
5: She must
6: have been an exceptional woman. Yes, she was. Some friends said it was insane of me to marry an Egyptian. Uh, few were full of reproaches. You must realize, of course, that in those times, the people would not accept their friend marrying an Egyptian. sorry for that marriage. Her side I passed the best years of my life. And everything of beauty terminated too soon for us both.
0: Poor Sir Douglas with his mm-hmm. Egyptian wife. And of yeah. course, that means that his daughter, Helen, is half Egyptian. And we right. should state right up front that, uh, in case we had mentioned it, and I don't think we have,
2: No, we haven't.
0: Uh, Rena Ortolini plays Helen as well mm-hmm. as having played Armana. So, yes, yes, people, we are. If you've seen in... <laughs> any
1: Mummy movies, you can kind of see where we're heading with this. Uh, this. This is a sure enough descendant of Armana. We have to figure; it's, it's, it's never it's, said, it's, it's, but it's we can it's pretty obvious, it. it's it's obvious. obvious. It's her. It's her. It's <laughs>
0: reincarnation yeah. time, baby.
1: So what we got from that is that while that while he's reading, while Sir Douglas is reading this, uh, that something is disturbing Helen. You know, I don't believe she knows what it is, but she's. There's something that... Uh, seems, it
0: seems as though it's hearing it's about gonna, this is kind it's, of upsetting it's disturbing her in a way. way.
1: And and that's when she bows out, you know, says she has a headache and leaves, and then he goes on. As we've heard, he talks about... Uh, I, I think it's interesting. This brings up something that I, I like in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of things, that the dialogue, that I, I, I like. Because one thing we have to realize here is the time period that this is set in and the main part of the story, as I've kind of looked at, it's obviously Victorian...
0: Victorian era, England. early 1900s.
1: Yes, right. It's because... They have tele. They do have working telephones, and so yeah. you know, if you look at the history of the telephone, it means that it would have to be right at the earliest it could be it would be maybe eighteen ninety. So we have to figure. But there's another line in the film where a guy makes a reference to it being we're in the twentieth century now. So you have to figure it's yeah. right in the early nineteen hundreds. I think it's. I, I think Nashi does a really good job in a lot of parts of this movie of capturing the, the 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 not only the feel of the time but the dialogue. A lot of the dialogue really rings true. Really feels, you know. Oh, I agree, and it, it, I think feel, it it's feels really
0: right for the period, almost pretty uh-huh. much all the time. And I love I never, what never, c- never t- I never got taken yeah. out of it.
1: And one of the first examples is this this this, this soliloquy that uh, Sir Douglas has here because he's he's talking about. There's a lot of talk in this film about kind of talking about blood and heritage and race, and he talks about her blood overcoming her English education. You know, there's and even with yeah. these characters who are the good guys. You know, Nathan and Abigail and Sir Douglas. There's still this kind of uh, a superiority, a British superiority, yeah. which feels very natural. It feels like the way they would think. You know, they're not. You know, it's, it's even even though they're the heroes, there's just kind of casual a little bit of racism in here. You know, that's that's I think's very well played uh, when he talks about because everything that the egyptian characters in the film do Uh, you know there's very often they talk about that's that's their mentality that's their that's their blood overcoming their their british breeding it's
0: it's blood overcoming their Uh, reason or their reasoning
1: and i like i like especially where he says you have to understand the days we were married it was it was not well thought of to marry an egyptian and he's talking about it like now he's in such a progressive society and you know that's very clever bit of writing there because every society thinks that it's Progressive, And if you think about it being the early 1900s, you know, how obviously intolerant the side he was. But as far as he's concerned, they're already, you know, saying in those days it was not.
0: In those days? It wasn't. It wasn't. it was, unseemly, years tumer- ago, it was unseemly. Yeah,
1: yeah. So there's little touches like that that I yeah. think Nashie really does a great job with in this in this movie. I, I think
0: it's nice, and he, and, he, and he bends it into the story very effectively. Yeah. But um, this is the point at which uh, we are introduced to. Paul Nashi, yes,
1: yes. Not uncommonly for these films, Paul Nashi, as you see, very rarely plays one <laughs> one you know one character. Yes, you know, very often, very often will say multiple roles.
0: He plays two roles in this film. Mm-hmm. We are introduced to his modern day. I, I, I guess you would have to say he's a descendant, descendant of, right. of uh, Amenhotep. His name is Assad Bey He's an Egyptian who's come to London to study the uh, uh, the Egyptian artifacts that have been mm-hmm. taken out of his country and are put up in museums here.
1: In the UK, and that name, by the way, is, is a very obviously a an homage to Ardith Bay to to Karloff's name, Karloff's name yes, I like that. I thought that was a nice uh, touch.
0: So Assad Bay has a, a female companion at all times, played by Helga Liné. Mm-hmm. All praise Helga uh, Liné. Yes, Helga. Uh, her name is Xenopher, which I found to be a, a, an odd name, but uh, I mean it's a beautiful name. Don't get me wrong. Well, in this
1: in the in the Spanish translation, it, at least the way it's spelled. It reads as Senafed, which sounds like an antihistamine to me, you know. And so it's like, you know, I much prefer the English dub because at times I thought they were calling her Jennifer, and then I finally realized it's Jennifer, is which is very right? nice. Yeah, you know, I it's, like that it's, name. It's, yeah. it's
0: a beautiful name. So, uh, <clears throat> the two of them have have, uh, have come to the UK to do this. they they've come, they've come to talk to uh, Sir Douglas because he's an authority. And uh, Sir Douglas is is glad to meet them. Invites them in, and uh, says, "Well, he's gotten this uh, another section of the papyrus translated. I'll I'll read it off to everyone all here at the same time."
6: This is a translation of the message Amenhotep wrote. Apparently, he had a premonition of his death, and he wanted to assure his vengeance. Listen to this: I, Amenhotep, Pharaoh of the Two Egypts. Lord of the Red Crown, Lord of the White Crown, confide to the descendants of my blood by the confidence of the 42 spirits to complete the ritual and in order to remove the impotent state of my being. For the completion of this ritual, it is necessary to sacrifice three young virgins and mix their blood with a lotus, the plant of life. Later, when the astral influence is propitious, I'll recite the Kabul secret of Shotus and I'll return to his side. Much later, I'll see that the spirit of Amana returns to life and that together we'll obtain the eternal power of the 42 spirits. I, Amenhotep, pharaoh of Egypt, Memphis, 18th dynasty.
5: It's curious how the pieces are falling into place. If I believed in witchcraft and spells, I'd begin to believe that the evil predictions of the pharaoh existed.
0: And there we have his prediction of him, him. Yeah, he
1: apparently knew that. Which you know, if you think about it, it's probably not too much of a stretch to assume that you're not very well liked if you if you torture <laughs> your people and eat them. Then it's probably not too too hard to guess that there's you might be assassinated at some point. So
0: true, true, true. And he's and he's making plans for his return. He mm-hmm. he's he's got a comeback tour in mind.
1: He's yeah, it's <laughs> sponsored by the Forty Two Spirits. It's uh, sponsored I gotta, by the Forty Two. I got to tell you, the, the more I heard that, I kept thinking I wanted to see like the Forty Two Spirits versus the Thirty Six Crazy Fists. You know? <laughs> 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 but oh. you know, if if, if any oh, if any of yes. you Fab listeners out there uh, are, are well more or better versed in e- Egypt, you know, lore than me, uh, yeah. a lot of this stuff that he throws in there are the White Crown, the Red Crown, the Two Egypt's, the Forty Two Spirits a lot of it I.
0: It sounds authentic.
1: It does. Oh, it sounds great. And I just, you know, but I'd, I'd like to know, I mean, he obviously studied the culture. I would just, yeah, would be, I'd be fascinated to know where he pulled these from. I mean, he basically references through the course of the film just about every, off the classic, you know, Osiris and, and Horus and yeah. B- Bastus. I mean, you just, he throws these names in everywhere uh, as far as just referencing, referencing so many deities of the Egyptian culture. And and, and you're all right that it definitely gives it a sense of, of weight and, 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 and a history there, uh, even if some of it gets a little convoluted or or, or not, you know, it, it definitely you know. Gives some of it a gets a bit. lot convoluted. Yeah, yeah, okay, does. yeah, yeah. I'll, but never said it to me. But yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, lot I, convoluted.
0: I'll, I'll definitely say it. But we we've introduced Asad Bay and Xenifer. We cut to a scene at night as three girls are trying to rush home to their boarding house where they live.
1: Yeah, yeah. Conveniently, we switched. Uh, we hear about sacrificing three women to a scene of three women. So, yeah, yeah very three
0: women rushing home. Well, one of them one of them falls behind. And uh, they, they go back for her to help to, to help her. They can't find her. And, of course, all three women get grabbed. Mm-hmm. We don't see who grabs them. They just get grabbed. And the next thing we see is all three of them strapped semi-nude mm-hmm. with kind of stuff draped over the bodies in a large room in some anonymous villa someplace. A very well, large room in an obvious older, you know, yeah. very old mansion.
1: Well, I want to yeah. ask you something about that, Sam, sure. because I want to see what your take is on this, because I want to... It's the only time in the film that we see this, you know, when it it shows, whenever it shows a side bay, it shows where they've set up shop, basically. Right. And it's all this Egyptian stuff on the wall. Now, in this particular scene, you see where the top of it cuts off, and then there's just like, what looks like they're in a, almost like a big warehouse, or big, I mean, we later see in the film that they're obviously, their first set up here, before they move into this, and move later in the film, is they're basically underground. Or, or I assume that's the way... I, I, maybe that's not the the case. Uh, I just thought late, later in the film there's a chase sequence through the sewers, and I thought that maybe that was...
0: Oh, I see what you're but, saying. But what
1: I'm saying is I'm wondering if the scene was misframed or in, somehow in the subtitle version comes out. As, as I don't know if we were supposed to see that top there where the set basically, you know, where he well,
0: I'll be honest. Don't, I don't remember that. What I remember is the top mm-hmm. of the frame there being... Um, these those those colored bits of cloth those those mm-hmm. swaths of cloth mm-hmm. around, along the top. Yeah. So I don't really remember seeing yeah, anything it's only in this one scene like where set. you first
1: get this establishing shot mm-hmm. that and I just wondered if it, if it was actually an uh, accidental. Framing oh. mistake, like we weren't supposed to see the top of it, where, you know? But because it doesn't show that anywhere else. Every other time that it it, yeah. it shows, it looks like that's pretty much the whole room. All you see is the Egyptian motif that, that he's put up. If but.
0: that is there, uh, I have missed it because I am trying really hard to stare through the clothing of the semi-naked women <laughs> chained to the wall.
1: Yes, yes. I can so understand that. you will forgive me. <laughs> I will if I have. Uh, <laughs>
0: Uh, missed some mm-hmm. strange continuity detail or mm-hmm. perhaps the occasional lapse in production design mm-hmm. as i am attempting to see naked boobies uh, yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> whoopsie Sorry. there's the eye candy factor for sure. yeah 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 well at any rate um there the three of them are chained up that these three girls are mm-hmm. chained up in this in this room and there is a sod bay and xennifer
1: it's first time we get a look at Helga in her uh, Egyptian finery. Yes, is, yes, you
2: know.
0: yes, her Egyptian finery, where we get to see her bare midriff. Mm-hmm. Which is a glorious, glorious <laughs> sight to behold. All bow down before. All
1: <laughs> Yes, and this is just so much fun to see her and Nashie together again after we've just yeah. seen Horror rise from the tomb. They're sort of like the Bogart and Bacall of <laughs> of these uh, of, of the Euro
2: horror.
0: You know, That's something that yeah. I would go that Yeah, door. I know. I know. But they're, they're just a great a, team. They're, they're a great, they're great evil team. Well, what what, what, what would be worse if you'd call them Nick and Nora? This <laughs> is <just Yeah. laughs> not what we're talking about here. <laughs> okay, uh, so what we we have them. Uh, we have the three girls chained up. They uh, cut all three of their throats, mm-hmm. drain some some of their blood into a large goblet, mm-hmm. and then enact this. Um, oh, they mix the blood with some leaves. Right, that was
1: part of the now, ritual they had to.
0: Yes, this is part of the ritual. At first, I was like, "Ooh, are they going to call them tana leaves?" And link it right back to the universe. <laughs> that may be the Monday one films. thing that he did not mention. He, that may be the one bit of Egyptian lore that we never see. In the Later room. on, we find out that they're they lotus leaves, right? Because right. they talk they talk a good bit about lotus leaves and them being mm. part of those. Because I'm assuming that's a that's another. Part of uh, Egyptian lore, mm-hmm. but if he'd made them tana leaves, I'd have probably flaked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they use this blood to conduct a ceremony where they pour they pour the blood and they mix it with even more of this dried lotus leaf. They do this prayer, this ceremony, and it uh, this ceremony. The, there's a response from the I believe it's the god Osiris. Is it Osiris?
1: Horus. In this Horus. In this it's, and a, it's, it's in this one, it's Horus, I believe.
0: And in this in this uh, little bowl, they pour the blood into. Mm-hmm it turns from red to green.
2: Yeah.
0: And this is the stuff that they need. So it's been successful. The next scene is the girl's landlady reporting that the these three missing girls to Scotland Yard. What will I tell their mothers? Yeah. And the yeah. cops are like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. I mean, not, not, nothing we can do about this. They could be anywhere. They're young girls yeah, after all.
1: This scene basically serves to per I mean, it introduces us to the, the, the head of the Scotland Yard. Um, it, it it establishes yeah. them as not being very sympathetic ears as you find through most of the film. It takes them it takes them quite a bit to get motivated. Also, yeah. I think the fact that she talks about the girls being only nice girls at her home, I think that's just sort of show up the fact that the girls were were trying to you know convey again that they were virgins. I guess uh, that she's talking about only you know only only nice girls, only decent girls. stay at her yeah. place, but the police pretty much usher her out. Pretty unceremoniously, <laughs> they obviously think she's, they think she's pretty bad. Yeah, exactly. So they're not too, they're not too concerned. It takes quite a while for the police to get concerned about what's going on.
0: Uh, the next night, we're back at the museum, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, aside Bay and Zennifer break in.
1: Uh, do they? Even, I mean, do they even have to break in? I swear to God, this, this, this. Yeah. I have to say, this, this is the worst <laughs> security. <laughs> <laughs> museum, they, they, they that I've ever—it's not great it, security. It, no. it, it's, 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 they basically get to do everything they want to do without too much trouble.
0: Nevertheless, they <laughs> they go back to the museum at night secretly. Mm-hmm. They uh, pry open the they pry open and get the actual papyrus itself. Mm-hmm. They um, open the sarcophagus, which hasn't been opened yet. They open the sarcophagus right, right. to, to mm-hmm. actually get at the the mummy the mummy of Amenhotep. Mm-hmm. They uh, chant this ceremony from the papyrus. Mm-hmm pour the green liquid into the mummy's mouth
2: mm-hmm.
0: and boom it works mm-hmm. the mummy's alive
2: mm-hmm.
0: this is at the 36 minute mark of the film yeah. roughly and we have a living mummy and he wakes up and you know he's
2: just kind of pissed
3: yeah Massa Bey who have been elected by the 42 spirits to remove me from my own mobility of a thousand years I will give you power riches and an eternal life but first, you have to find me a woman. I need her body for the tormented spirit of Amarna. For thousands of years, her spirit has been wandering through the shadows of the unknown. Now she'll return to my side. You'll be as powerful as you desire. Then we'll punish those who dare violate the secrets of
0: Egypt. Say what you will about Amenhotep, but he is all about kicking some infidel ass.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: for violating our egyptian goodies
1: mm-hmm.
0: so um, it was okay
1: for him to violate egyptian the egyptian goodies well in his time well they were his yeah, too. They, they were was his to, to kick violate out his, yeah. yeah
0: what i love about this is as soon as he's up in mobile he he does his first kill he mm-hmm. goes to the guard the mm-hmm. obviously ineffectual guard of the, uh, the museum there and comes up behind him and grabs his head and crushes his skull skull
1: crush. i'm uh, in skull Crush.
0: i love that in yeah. the in the mummy movies that hammer made in the 60s there was all kinds of off-screen skull crushing mm. but not, now, in this one. <laughs> not in this one the skull crushing is right there in your face buddy here's a crushed skull for you
1: yeah and, and uh and let's, let's let's go and talk about the look of the mummy we're finally getting to see the mummy yeah uh, let's what's your take on uh what's your take on this version of the mummy
0: love the makeup on this mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. the flesh is this crinkly black yeah. right it's Icky looking. But it still it's, allows
1: the eyes to glow through. It still allows a lot of expression, which kind of reminded yeah. me of the great uh, Christopher Lee mummy, you know, that, uh, that it allows for a lot of personality to shine through the, 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 the with the it's eyes, re- which is great in the case of a creature that literally is just so. You know, in any kid that's going to be covered by bandages or that sort of thing, you know, as much of expression as you can allow through the eyes is a good thing, and, and this makeup allows for that, which is nice.
0: And something that I very much like the the choice that they made here is that he doesn't speak. He communicates with them, but it's he's not right. talking. Right. He's obviously projecting mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. voice mm-hmm. to them, mm-hmm. but he's never speaking. Yeah. And so they hear him,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but he's not actually talking, mm-hmm. which. I almost want to call it kind of a, a sop to, to a form of realism although come on in, in a movie like this there's, <laughs> we're not talking about realism here but no. it is kind of neat that that's the choice they made they decided that, that he's going he's to talk quote unquote talk mm-hmm. but he's not going to actually speak the mm-hmm. uh, next day they discover they, they discover the the dead guard they discover that the mummy is missing they alert the cops and then we get we get this absolutely bizarre statement that, uh, that there were finger, there are fingerprints on the dead guard that don't correspond to those of a human being. Now I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what what. What kind of fingerprints and, does a yeah, giraffe right is leave?
1: Just like the Scotland Yard, yeah? Do they keep <laughs> fingerprints of all the known species of you know? Paul I'm pretty Prince?
0: sure a carp's fingerprints <laughs> are different from a
1: man's. <laughs> you're right. That's an odd. Uh, that is an odd one. <laughs> they don't
0: correspond to those of a human being. Really? No, you're, you're kidding me. But that makes absolutely no sense. And it's one of those moments where you just have to kind of roll your eyes and go, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to ignore your stupidity on this one. This is this is yeah. th- that was ridiculous, but mm-hmm. it is kind of funny. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
1: There's something else in this scene too that I want to uh, uh, want to see if you picked up on or if it if if it bothers you the way it does me. There's a couple. Of, this is the second time because the first time happened uh, in the first meeting with Asad Bay and Xanifor uh, and the heroes. You know, with with uh, Jack Taylor and and, the, and and with Helen being there. Uh, and in this scene here where they're talking about what's happened at the museum with the mummy being stolen, in both those scenes, Assad Bey makes these glances at Helen. The camera zooms in on him, and it zooms in on her, and, and it's like... Yeah. And yet...
0: As if, as if there's some kind of little bit of connection between these two.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if... Uh, the reason it bothers me is because it's quite a while before... I mean, Iman uh, Hotep starts talking about, and he's been talking about, you know, he must find the proper body for the spirit of Ramana... So it's obviously that and then they, they go on this hunt to find all these you know trying to find the right woman. It's obviously that Assad Bey is not thinking oh this is Armana. Uh, I mean it doesn't occur to him. It's, well,
0: I think his thinking is being clouded a little bit by the fact that he's been he's been promised power and riches and eternal yeah, life yeah. and all these things and he said you know first we've got to you know I first we we've got to get a body because I want my yeah. consort back. I want Armana.
2: Right.
0: And uh, g- give me the body, and then you'll get all these things. Mm-hmm. So maybe I kind of, I kind of see what you're talking about, but I never yeah. felt that there was. Uh, it's not as if Assad Bay knows. Hey, this this chick
1: looks just like her. It may just be that he's recognizing someone of a kind of a yeah. kin- And there's several things. Well, I mean, in-
0: she's half Egyptian. Yeah, he knows this. He has to know this because mm-hmm. he he knows the, he knows Sir yeah. Douglas. So it's, and,
1: that makes sense. So it's probably more of a just a recognition of the kind of a kindred
0: of uh non non-English education there <laughs> <laughs> it's another sign of the That's Egyptian blood
2: right. <laughs> and her half
0: Egyptian blood <laughs> so now we get three scenes now we get three scenes in succession as they um, as our villains go about mm-hmm. grabbing more more women
2: mm-hmm.
0: to sacrifice to get what they need to conduct the ceremony
2: mm-hmm.
0: they we now in the here, here's the strange thing um In the English in the English language version, there's an extra scene.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's not in the Spanish language version, which is a scene of a married couple on their wedding night, with them talking. um, They're they're obviously you know getting ready for their first for the first night together as a married couple. Mm -hmm. The wife getting ready for bed. I Minotep's mean, watching through the watching through the window and then breaking in and killing the husband and grabbing mm-hmm. the wife
2: mm-hmm.
0: that scene, that, se- that whole sequence which is about a minute and a half mm-hmm. isn't in the Spanish language version.
1: Right, and it's a pretty, pretty well filmed and and pretty violent scene, yeah. and it's it's pretty effective, you know, where he busts in and fights this guy, the guy stabs him several times, the mummy, you know, the greenish kind of blood, greenish,
0: greenish ichor kind of leaks out of and him. The mummy
1: throws him against the wall, and his head splatters against the wall, and you know, it's, I mean, it's a pretty violent scene. Yeah. It's interesting that it was left that it's not in the in the uh, the uh, the subtitled version.
0: It's yeah, the, the, the Spanish that. version doesn't have it. It's very odd. Yeah. It does have the following two scenes, which is a uh, young girl walking home through the park and uh, Minhotep comes up on her out of the trees and, and the shadows and grabs her
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then uh, a, a kind of a floozy I'm assuming we, we're supposed to assume she's a hooker
1: yeah that's kind of what I had in my notes too it doesn't really make it clear that's sort of what you but what she, you yeah. gather
0: she's walking by the river by the Thames mm-hmm. and um, she sees the, sees the mummy mm-hmm. as he's coming toward her screams her bloody head off mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, the mummy the mummy has to run off as very quickly cops of, are after right. a couple of bobbies couple are, are after a couple bobbies after chasing them and they ch- they chase him into the sewer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is a bad idea for them. As Amenhotep uh, manages to off both of them yeah. rather gruesomely, right there down in the sewers, and then just go on home. He's mm-hmm. he's done for the evening. Now the investigation the next morning, uh, the inspector where the the girl was grabbed in the park, just amazingly finds a bit of uh, what appears to be the mummy's wrappings on a mm-hmm. on a yeah. tree limb, right. which I thought was mighty lucky of him. Yeah. <laughs> considering how small it is and how large an area he's looking around. Next we see, but as we've
1: seen with as with most of the things throughout most of the film, it doesn't really inspire him to do anything. You know, he no, kind of no. shakes his head for a minute. It's like, hmm. just for a moment, I almost was going to put something together here, but now I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm just gonna ignore it. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: next we see Assad uh, Bay talking with uh, Sir Douglas and uh, Nathan
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, talk about how absurd this all is and how. Bizarre! This 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 news they're getting from the cops and uh, these these women going missing and all this. And uh, one of them says the line: "Someone is trying to convince us that the mummy has somehow come to life."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Assad bay is kind of off to one side, looking very strange. <laughs> uh, yes, it is kind of odd that someone would attempt to to make <laughs> us make us sure this is happening. But uh, of course, while that's going on, Jennifer and uh, Helen have gone out to uh, the greenhouse there at the museum and are bonding. They're talking a bit about uh, themselves. Elena explains how her father ended up in a wheelchair and kind of a little bit of why she blames herself for his predicament.
5: There is a legend that says the lotus flower can give health and knowledge. It's an
2: old
5: Egyptian belief. My mother grew them. Aren't they beautiful? Helen, it's a short time since we've known each other. But our blood is identical. That's why I can understand you so well. I know something bitter is bothering you. You can tell me what it is. I know how to understand you. My father is a paralytic, and I'm responsible. I told father not to go. The weather was awful that night. But he insisted that he accompany me. When we returned afterwards, the horses went wild, and Father was dragged beneath him. Helen, you're not to blame. Believe that. Everything was written. You must stop tormenting
0: yourself. Yes, it feels like the women were getting a little little, little close there. They're bonding.
1: And even, yeah, that's, and, yeah, even more so later on.
0: Yeah, even more so. They, they talk again later on. We'll get to that. Next, we see a pair of young lovers in a barn... Uh, obviously, post, post-coital, they uh, they're playing around inside the barn, and of course Amenhotep shows up.
1: Yeah. What's he, let's say something right here that I thought was interesting yeah. is that he does his own dirty work basically, which I thought that was interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, you he's would think in most sending, these situations he doesn't send a side bay out to you know he's a he's a, a, a proactive mummy. I, mean, I mean he likes <laughs> he likes to get out and, uh, he, he, likes well, get he, out and he likes to get out and He's a hands-on kind is, of guy. He is. He's one kind of those if yeah. you don't if you want something done. <laughs> you got to do if, it yourself.
0: If you yeah, want some women grabbed, and hey, maybe he learned slashed. his lesson
1: by having his armies go out there without him on the field and getting their asses kicked. And you know, it's like maybe he learned a little bit from that.
0: he <laughs> <laughs> <You laughs> could be right that uh, that could be um, that could be what he learned from this. Perhaps yeah. he should write a. Uh, a self help book. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really where he should go next. That would be, would be a good way to make a quick buck. Anyway.
1: Hey, you know, you said you said this scene was obviously poise post-co- coital. Now, now, yeah. that This now this makes me wonder. Okay, then why did he get the girl? Because aren't they supposed to be virgins? You know, this is well, see I, that,
0: that's where it gets all kind of weird yeah, because yeah. it's as if they wanted to um, shoehorn enough. Sex and nudity mm-hmm. into the picture, mm-hmm. but
1: and this scene of like locals converting, converting in barns. Converting, I mean, this is this is all throughout Nash's films. Usually, yeah. they're about to be attacked by a werewolf or something. But I mean, he <laughs> just loves that. You know, there's always the local color yeah. that's fornicating somewhere. You know, and, well, and there's
0: fornication everywhere. You sure, just have to look around sure, the well, right right place. That's, that's right.
1: That's honest.
0: right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way it is. I mean, look around. There's probably people fornicating somewhere within fifty feet of us right now. I don't believe yeah. it. Well, not believe.
1: in a, not in our decent. Victorian <laughs> society,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have savage blood. Let's be. That's honest.
1: right. We don't. We don't.
2: Oh
0: Lord. Anyway, see, I wonder see,
1: why this scene here, where where where, the uh, the where, I, where he where he where he attacks the lovers in the barn, I don't find it to be nearly as well filmed as no, the one where not. he breaks in on the bridal couple. It's so kind it's of sloppy, actually. Well, it's 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 really strange because she you know she's playing hard to get for the guy. She's kind of teasing him, and so yeah, she, she runs away around. from him, and she's hiding in the barn. She looks up right behind her that something's yeah. obviously right over her. And you don't hear anything. He's he's searching for her, and he finds her passed out there in the in the hay. And then he looks way up, and and the mummy yeah. sort of emerges from the top of this loft, and throws does this you know great great throw with the pitchfork there, and impales a guy. But it just makes you wonder okay was the mummy when she turned around and looked behind her was she seeing the mummy way up there and she fainted or
0: that's the only thing that makes any sense yeah because um, i mean
1: why would he why would he why would he attack her and then climb up to the top of the
0: line? i have no <laughs> idea i will say this is a great the, the kill the the kill is a great shock moment oh yeah right um, yeah it is the, it's, it's it's a neat, it's a neat kind of death there yeah, in the anymore yeah. but you're right if they if they had extracted this scene from any version of the film I don't think anybody would have missed it or, I don't, or cared. I, don't I think it's there so. just because you know somebody gets killed with a pitchfork. Right,
2: right. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: After that, we, uh, we we go back. We go back to the the large room where the women are chained up, and we now have seven women chained to the wall
2: mm. in
0: Bay's uh, big house, and they're whipping them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: they're whipping them. Yeah. Why in God's name are they whipping them? <laughs>
1: Well, I figured out it must be like sort of an Egyptian form of meat tenderizing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. Actually, here's oh, what here's, 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 one here's one of the problems. I Have here's one of the problems. Have with the film. I, I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but there is a part where Nathan is starting to get a little suspicious of a side Bay. Yeah, and he has a discussion with Abigail in this scene. Which, uh, by the way, uh, way they're filmed. They're standing outside, and way back in the background, you can see. One of the bridges in London. And if you really look hard, you can see auto, modern automobiles going down the... But, you know, well, it's very, still... Very briefly. Very briefly. But it's, it's
0: literally the only point in the I film yeah. where I spotted anything that could be considered a, a serious anachronism. Right. It was... No, uh, I agree with and you. you and you, really you had to be looking for it. I agree with you. You really had to be looking for it because mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time on real in real locations in London. Very mm-hmm. obviously, real locations filming... Very carefully setting up the shots and cropping mm-hmm. things, cropping things so, so that I agree. It's you, a very it's, technically it's, well-made film, yeah, and, and, and it's and very t- nice. A lot of
1: attention to it, a lot of yeah. You're right. So it's yeah. It's just a little thing like that. I mean, it would have been hard to have, very small. Yeah, it is, and it's a very good scene um, yeah. because it's where. But when Nathan he mentions he's been reading more about these these rituals, boldly, uh connected with I mean, Hotep and he, this is the point where he said the line that kind of caught our ear because he he says that he's supposed to. What he says is there's supposed to be, three. Virgins killed over 3 successive nights. Oh yeah,
0: actually I think I think we've got that clip. Hang on.
1: Okay.
4: I've been studying everything I can about the history of Amenhotep. Some of the facts are quite curious. In order for Amenhotep to escape his immobility that was placed on him by Anshaf, someone has to recite the Kabbalah of Shotis and sprinkle his sarcophagus with the blood of 3 young virgins doing 3 full moons, one after the other. That's all that's necessary to release him from his tomb. To obtain his definite liberty, another seven women must die in the same way. And Amenhotep will have his permanent freedom.
5: I'm beginning to believe that you're obsessed by all of this. It's for the police to investigate.
4: Three young girls have disappeared. And I'm afraid that another seven will too.
5: If Asad Bey heard you, I'm sure he'd say the curse of the pharaoh is coming true.
4: (laughs) Asad Bey... He's a person we know nothing about. It just might be interesting to find out something about
1: him. Okay, so three women are supposed to have, you know, they're supposed to get three women, cut their throats on three consecutive nights. We've already seen them grab three women and cut their throats one after another. Now, I know that in these films, night and day tends to pass pretty quickly, but I think <laughs> I think we may have a little bit of a of a, of a, of a conflicting, uh, you know, and it's it's, it's an yeah. odd thing. But what I find even more odd or just kind of funny is that, uh, okay, in addition to three women, then you got to get seven more, you know, uh, uh, it's so
0: the, complex.
1: Well, it's you know it's these 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 these, uh, these uh, rituals are so hard on, on women. You know, but oh yeah, but they're you know they're what? Hard I, on women.
0: They're hard on us trying to figure them out. See, so what I, I, I need I need a calculator, a slide <laughs> yeah. rule, yeah, and, and a freaking microcomputer to figure out what the hell is going on because <laughs> this is making no sense
1: to me. Well, what, what see what I think would have made more sense is when we see him whipping, when we see him grabbing, when we see him whipping these women is just the fact that he enjoys it. I mean, we've already established. I mean, seriously, I mean the guy's like been thousands of years now without getting his jollies, I and mean, we saw on the very first that he that he's obviously this is how he gets his his jollies now he's trying to find a, a body that's that's suitable for Armana, but in the meantime, you know, why not just take advantage of having all these women chained up and that made more sense to me why he'd be whipping him because it's surely for Amenhotep's I pleasure, you know, but this whole let's find seven more women and it's part of the ritual, and then it, that's when it to me it just starts to get okay a little a little just too convoluted for its own good, a little too complicated. You know, I, I'm um, sure
0: that there's, you know, some history, some mm-hmm. research that yeah. Nashi did mm-hmm. to as he was concocting the sucker mm-hmm. That he pulls all this stuff from, and I'm yeah. sure it makes sense in some bizarre yeah, way. Yeah,
1: and it's you know it's just a fun thing to play around with. It's just like I said, I think I, I just would have understood it just as much as if they just had him whipping the women because that's just what he's into. He's but just think, like woohoo! By yeah. the way, this thing, this uh, scene we just this clip we just heard where uh, uh, Abigail and Nathan are talking, it kind of sits and establishes. We'll see several scenes where he's becoming more suspicious of Outside Bay. Yeah, she's not. She basically defends Outside Bay a lot, and I think this is kind of a little bit of the old Nashy charm working on the females, but in a very subtle way, you know, in most movies we see Nashie seducing, you know, all the women, there's not really as he himself has said, this is a, the eroticism and all that is, is toned down in this film, but yeah. I think that it's more of a nice little s- subtle thing that she's in a little bit, being a little bit charmed by a bay you know, and so he, she she tends to defend him through a lot of the film when That's Nathan right. is basically getting more and more suspicious, but I think it's, it's it's kind of a you know, I think that there's a little bit of an attraction to her for him, or at, well, least, an, at least kind of being drawn to his mysterious, you know He's Egyptian, mis- blood. Egyptian blood. She's
0: Egyptian blood. She's a little turned on by the foreigner. Well, they have the a great
1: they have a great discussion uh, in the film Abigail and and, and Nathan. Uh, once again, we get into this where um, uh, she's talking about how she admits that that Asad Bey is very mysterious and unusual. Uh, uh, she, but she says, but he's a different mentality. You know, it's a different mentality, just like Helen. You know, Helen being Egyptian too. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. They the just way can't they, help that's it. The way they're just are. the way they are. You know, from... they're savages after all. I mean.
0: But um, <laughs> we we have. Uh, we have Nathan and his wife Abigail talking about uh, talking about Bay several times. They're suspicious of him, or he's at least Nathan. Yeah, right. Suspicious Nathan of is him. starting to get that way. And he says, "Well, let's let's." He says that he started. He stopped coming around as much as he did. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He, he refers to his visits being spasmodic. Spasmodic. Which I, I love that. Which term. I thought was bizarre. A bizarre <laughs> word to choose. Let's call. Let's call his hotel where he and uh, where he and Jennifer are living, and mm-hmm. uh, go see them. Well, they call the hotel and find out that uh, although he's maintained his room there, he's not living there anymore, that he's mm-hmm. rented a house on the outskirts of the town.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, they, give, they give him the, uh, the address, and mm-hmm. they're like, hey, well, okay, let's go out there and visit them there. This is when we see uh, that Amenhotep is not really he's... pleased with the women. How did you figure <laughs> How on. did you, you well, pick up on they that? Got the, they <laughs> get the women laid out on slabs, and he walks by talking about how none of them are worth a damn.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, he doesn't say worth a damn. But they're not. They're not. They're not gonna, they're suitable they're, for they're a not mana. Suitable for Amana, and he crushes their skulls. Just yes, casually this.
1: crushes their skulls. <laughs> I remember this is actually this film played one time on. You know, I've talked before about how I'd see the occasional Nashi film and growing up through the 70s and 80s on Channel 17 here in Nashville, and they'd play. They played this. You know, of course, horrible, dark-looking English cut on there. But I was watching it, and uh, but this scene played uncut. Believe it or not. Really? And, uh, yes, it did. It did. Wow. Uh, it played, and I was just. I was just whoa! Was like you're not expecting that's that from a pretty my, gruesome scene. Well, it's it's H, it's it's, it's H. G. Lewis levels of of, yeah. of gore. I mean these these these, and it's totally. I mean the film itself. You know, yeah, there's there's some blood and gore in the rest of the film, but not very heavy. This scene right here is just it'll jolt you, you know, because these these uh, very gruesome crushed heads and these women and yeah. And by the way, just just speaking for myself, I don't know about you, but I saw nothing wrong with those bodies laying on the table. Um, <laughs> Neither but I, did I. But obviously, I of course, I'm not an 18th dynasty pharaoh. I guess your standards are a little a ticker. Little I mean, picky. I mean a little
0: obviously got, uh, he's got a different set of standards than yeah. you and
1: I. Yeah, he's got something so, in mind. He knows yeah. what he's looking for. He
0: knows what he's looking right? for. Yeah. This is not off-the-rack stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is something yeah. that he
0: specifically requested. <laughs> so, you know he's...
1: So anyway, he goes, crushes several heads of these women that are just not going to work.
0: So uh, Helen accompanies Nathan and Abigail mm-hmm. to go visit Assad Bay and Xenopher mm-hmm. out at this house they're renting. They get out there, and they, they sit down, and they, they start talking. He explains that he rented the house because he needed uh, he needed the, the peace and quiet because he's trying mm-hmm. to complete his book. Right. And while they're sitting there talking, Armina gets this strange look on her face. And as a matter of fact, Amenhotep, is it's as if they're sensing one another.
2: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And Amenhotep creeps closer to them in the big house there. Yeah,
1: great scenes when walking through those long hallways. He's making his way sort of up from his Egyptian cell, you know, up into this nice, you know, very English living room that she's sitting in that she's coming from.
0: And she starts to get this faraway look Mm -hmm. and then just gets up and starts walking up the staircase Mm -hmm. toward where he is. Just as if she's in a kind of a trance. Right. Almost just keeps walking, except that Zenifer had gone upstairs to retrieve the manuscript of the book yeah. that Bay is writing, Right. and comes out and sees her and speaks to her and kind of breaks the trance and yeah. takes her back down the stairs. Yeah.
1: I have to say, this to me is the best directed sequence in the whole film. I mean, I just, I mean, yeah. I just, I it's absolutely nice. love this. The timing of it, the pacing, the. the the way that when she gets up out of her trance, the others notice it that have been sitting there talking and they sort of slowly get up to start to follow her. Like they notice that she's in trance and yeah. the way that she's coming up the stairs and it keeps cutting back between her um, and Hotep. Then it does these great cuts between her as she is now and clips quick cuts of her as Armana, you know, in her Egyptian with her Egyptian yeah. hair and, her, you know, the cut back and forth and I just think the. The timing to where you expect that they're about to come face to face, and then suddenly Zenafer comes out instead. But I just think that whole sequence there to me is 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 the is the, the highlight as far as directing style, as far as just just being the most well. It's well done. It's, it's very so well, done. well done. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I I very much like it. You're right. Now, this this kind of snaps her out of her trance, and Zenafer mm-hmm. uh, takes Helen. Out to back out uh, to the greenhouse again. Back, well, this, well this I guess it's this is a different yeah, one. Yeah, it's definitely a yeah, different greenhouse. Yeah, because she wants to show her that she
1: grows lotus. She's growing right. the same. And they, and they start lotus talking flowers. about
0: the lotus, and then, and basically she wants to talk to her a little bit more. And this is where um, we get a little bit more detail about yeah, what really about Helen's about, guilt, yeah. about Helen's guilt about her father's uh, situation.
5: Jennifer, you were very kind to me the other day. I'm glad you say that. I'll be at your side whenever you need me. Regarding the accident of my father. I didn't tell you everything. My mother for a long time had an Egyptian lover. And father discovered everything. The night of the accident that party was important for my mother. She and her lover had decided to run away together. I understood completely their burning love. When my father... Surprise them. I tried. I tried to intercede. But my father couldn't convince her to return to her side. When we returned home that night, the accident occurred. My mother died. He's never pardoned her. If my father had let my mother leave, she'd be alive today. So, um, feel a special affection for you. It's impossible for me to explain why, but I don't want anything to happen to you. I'm going to give you advice. You must never see us again. That's not nor me. You must leave right now.
0: So Xenifer has had a change of heart as far as Things are concerned to a degree Mm -hmm. here, and is trying to Mm -hmm. keep Armana away because she's afraid that she'll end up one of the sacrifices.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about how much of a change of heart, because it's uh, two two words near and dear to the heart of, of any Eurofilm fan. Lesbian subtext. Is there one here or not? I want to see what I you felt, think.
0: I felt there was a little bit of lesbian subtext. I didn't bring it up in that previous clip that we played in the greenhouse at the museum, yeah. but I felt it was there. Yeah, not that just, I go out of my
1: way to find it, but I don't complain when it's there. I don't, anyway. I don't
0: complain when it's there. Yeah. There's a little bit of it. Now, little,
1: very little and very nicely done, it's, I think. It's,
0: it's, very, it's, it's very subtle. I assume that he meant it to be there, but...
1: Well, what I love about it, it's, first of all, I think the way she says it is ter- is perfect. I think it's another great little bit of nasty dialogue, especially writing for this time, because the way she, what she says, I feel a special affection for you that I wouldn't... Right. That, that is exactly how you would probably describe lesbianism in Victorian England, you know.
0: It's a... They
1: have a, you know, she's a special affection. affection. But see, the great thing about it is you could also read it as just meaning that she has a feels a kinship because of their Egyptian blood. You know, right. it's obvious that she doesn't feel uh, it, whatever she feels. It's not because of Amenhotep, because she's starting to turn against him. But it's it's nice the way that this scene could be read in either two ways: There's a possible lesbian attraction, but there also is just possibly the kinship of the blood. So again, it's 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 very nice, a uh, little bit of a subtle writing on nash's part. And
0: that is something you just mentioned, something that we haven't brought up uh, previously, which is that. Uh, bit by bit, you're right. Xenopher has slowly, as they've killed more women,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
0: have uh, she's seen basically how much of a an asshole Menhotep yeah, right, right, is being mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. she's become less and less enamored with this whole plan. Right, just bit by bit, and she, it's not that she said anything yet mm-hmm. to anyone about it. But it's just these, these looks that she occasionally will get at the end of a scene, these very mm-hmm. little subtle things mm-hmm. that uh, you'll, you'll see her looking at the situation, and she has this look on her face. She's obviously thinking, this is not turning out right. the way I kind of thought it would. Right. So this is the first indicator right here we have of her feeling, of her at least taking a step, saying something or doing something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. push things in a different direction to kind of try to, Alter this instead of just going along with with yeah, well everything. basically just
1: telling Armana get get away from us. You know, it's like you know you are yeah. dangerous. Stay away. Yeah.
0: So uh, of course, Amenhotep, a- after they after they leave uh, after the visitors leave the mm-hmm. the house, Amenhotep's mm-hmm. first guess thing is what? guess what? <laughs> get weak. me that girl. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> yeah.
2: That is that that's is Armana. That's Armana.
0: Her. I need her. Get yeah. her now. Yeah. And uh, well, things are going to start to pop. Mm. Well, Nathan and Abigail. Are, are talking and Nathan flat out says, uh, "Look, we've we've got to search, we've got to search their house." I don't. I, I this is just added to my suspicions. Something is up. I don't like it. He tells uh, Sir Douglas about his uh, his fears and his suspicions. Sir Douglas just basically says, "Well, why don't you go to the cops?" And he's like, "Because we don't have enough for the cops to even believe anything right, that
1: we're saying." Right. I love I love this. Uh, this is very cool to me about Nathan and Abigail. It's very interesting too. Is is that. They're very much a team in, in all of this. And yeah, I think it's yeah. cool that he never gives the he never gives a line about, oh, you know, this is no place for a woman or you stay, I don't want you in danger. He basically says, We're gonna break in, uh, you know, let's go, let's do it. And then he, he says now, unless you don't want to come, and I love I love her attitude about it. She's great. She said, No, no, let's do it, we'll probably be arrested. You know, she's, yeah, got you know, a great her, attitude. she's like,
0: Well, we'll probably we we'll yeah, get arrested, but you know, let's go, let's do they're
1: it. They're fun, yeah, they're 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 great that she's up for anything and they're and, uh, they're
0: they're and they're a real couple ready for just damn yeah, near anything. Yeah, yeah it's kinda fun. Um, maybe they're the Nick and Nora. <laughs> they think. could be the, they, Maybe so. You're right. Uh, so the, the late night visit uh, to the to Assad Bey's house. Mm-hmm. They get there. Luckily, they get there just as Assad Bey and Zenifer are leaving by carriage with uh, mm-hmm. Amenhotep in the back. Right. Obviously, this is the first time we see how they're going in and out of the city right. which is yeah. nice they load yeah. him up in that carriage mm-hmm. and then go and he does the dirty work and they use the carriage to get the women back which right. I thought was really nice too because Love they me. they nice they strength. not really pointed out how this is happening mm-hmm. until right then right their, their their first attempt to get into the house, he's looking he's looking through a window and lightning strikes a
1: tree. This is one of those another one of those holy shit moments in the film, you know, because especially in a film that that you know it goes for long paces without a lot of you know kind of some slow parts or yeah. like this. When something like this happens, I mean it's it's a it's a literally a lightning bolt because yeah, yeah this lightning bolt comes out of nowhere,
0: strikes <laughs> the tree and catches the damn thing on fire, not more yeah. than fifteen feet from where he's standing, attempting right. to mess with a window, right. Um, steel
1: bar window, you know, and, and uh, steel bars in the window, and, and yeah, it's... Uh, they,
0: yeah, they decide, they decide, <laughs> okay, we're going to have to leave, but he says, you know, we've got to come back, we've got to get mm-hmm. in this place, I don't know what, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to do something.
1: I like this, I really, I really like that effect, I mean, obviously, before the fact that you're just, wow, what the hell just happened is, it's kind of interesting, because it makes you wonder, is there something that was, you know, is there something watching over, some sort of actual force... On Amun Hotep's side, watching the house, or was it just a freak thunderstorm? Because after a second, it really starts to pour. It, rain. it does start to rain, yeah. And then you just think, like, well, was that coincidence, or was, or was like, say, spirit number twenty-one of the forty-two spirits <laughs> might have, you know, been watching and thrown a lightning bolt <laughs> down there? It's just kind of a neat. Uh, again, it's just one of those things that's never really explained. As oh, you can read right. either way, yeah. As yeah. with a lot of this film, you know, you can a lot of, you can look at it two ways, and uh, but yeah, so but that definitely tells them right then that they this is not the time that you know that they're, they're coming come at a bad time. We'll right? have to we'll have to come back later. Yeah.
0: So we now learn. While, while they're out there having lightning strike near them, where they were going with the carriage. Uh, they mm-hmm. actually went to the museum. Right. And he walks in and uh, slaps... Amenhotep
1: does, yeah.
0: You know. Amenhotep walks in, mm-hmm. slaps Sir Douglas upside the head, and mm-hmm. unconscious, and probably snaps his neck, and his head lands in the, uh, the fireplace in mm-hmm. the blazing fire.
1: And this scene too is, is is so well filmed And you're really Going to miss out On a lot of it If you're watching The English dub Because it looks so The English Because it looks so bad But the great scene Of it looking out of the fire You know From out of the fireplace at yeah. Sir Douglas Sitting in his wheelchair Staring at the fire and then when the lightning flashes, you see i standing there behind him. If you watch the English dub, you know it's so dark you cannot, you don't, you miss that. You know it's a great thing. You're only going to get to see if you if you see the better print, a, be, the button, a better you know. print of it would definitely. I mean, yeah. it,
0: there's there, there's a lot of work that's gone into making these scenes creepy that right. sometimes right. don't pay off in some of the crappier looking yeah. versions of the film yeah. that are out
1: there. But right, he knocks Sir Douglas uh, into face first into the fire.
0: Yeah, then he grabs a, a kind of a pike thing and stabs an old guard. Right, stabs him to death. So mm-hmm. you know, two for there. Mm-hmm. Then marches his happy butt up to uh, Elaine. Uh, to I'm sorry, to Helen's room. Right. Now, as he's walking the stairs, she wakes up and senses him coming. Right. Even, right. And starts saying her name. She starts not not saying Helen. She starts saying Armada.
1: Yeah. Armana, yeah. She's Armana, muttering to herself Armana. and muttering the name. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, he walks in, and here's where. In both cuts of the film. Oh, yes, yes.
1: Right.
0: The score is wonderful, by the way. I want to preface right. this by saying that. But right here, we have what can only be called a musical steal <laughs> from Morricone's score for Once Upon a Time in the West. And it's mm-hmm. a little refrain, or, or a little piece, I would say, from uh, the harmonica theme mm-hmm. uh, for the Charles Bronson character. Right. And it's very obvious. I've, mm-hmm. se- I've seen Once Upon a Time in America a hundred times mm-hmm. I mean, i'm sorry once upon a time in the west a hundred <laughs> <Yeah>. times <laughs> and i know that score yeah and and when this piece played i went wow that's the exact sound mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. that's exactly it uh it's incorporated well though and it does give you that weird kind of yeah, vibe yeah, the to, scene the, sc- well, to yeah. the scene
1: because it's a strange scene to begin with i mean we basically uh, get to see uh, i'm in hotel sees you know helen they meet face to face and and uh she they kiss. A big, yeah, she plants a big yeah. kiss on his on his on his, his scraggly face and you know, his uh, <laughs> his yeah. uh, no, Right on his lips. It's, yeah, right. it's a creepy scene, yeah, it's it's uh, very interesting there. But yeah, they they basically uh, have a big long kiss there.
0: He picks her up, and mm-hmm. I mean, she seems to kind of just pass out, or she's right. just very passive. It's not made clear if she passes right, out, but right. he picks her up and walks her out of the museum and mm. is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nathan and Abigail return and discover the dead Sir Douglas there in the fire with his face half melted off. Right. And the uh, the dead guard, mm-hmm. and the fact that Helen is missing, mm-hmm. we must call the police. Well, yes, now I think you've got something to go on. You got another corpse, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, yeah. They call the police.
1: Unfortunately, the police still don't see it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the, the police it are takes still one non- more bit of right. takes
1: one more bit of thing to get the police moving, and we'll get to that shortly. But the
0: luscious Zinnifer is uh, the, the, this wonderful scene with uh, Zinnifer A, yeah. talking to side Bay. And she's essentially talking trees in here. She's trying to. This is well.
1: This is the classic, honey. You've been spending too much time with that <laughs> creepy friend of yours. Uh, <laughs> this is Egyptian trailer park talk. Here's what this is. <laughs>
0: oh my God, you're kind of right. Oh, that's frightening as hell. Uh, yes, yes. You're not spending enough time with me, darling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, or kind of. Uh, ba- yeah. Basically. Um, <laughs> He, she's she's saying, "Look, I don't really. I'm I'm getting to the point where I don't trust Amenhotep. I think mm. he's going to kill us too. Right? Or just make us his,
1: his slave? She says he's either going to kill us or he's going to make us his complete, you know, slaves forever.
0: Yeah, we're not we're not going to have mm. eternal life and all the riches and whatever the hell we want. And or by the way,
1: I got to say, speaking of, we talked earlier about how great the costumes are. I got to say, whatever you think of how much he looks like an Egyptian, Nashi's wardrobe is just the shit in this in this film. <laughs> oh, it's I mean, fantastic. Yeah, these these, these shirts he's wears. You know, we've seen him a lot in this kind of like a red satin in this shirt. In this in this scene, he's changed from a red to like a blue kind of satin shirt, and it's just it's it's awesome. You know, he looks he looks great. You know, it's it, great. I want his threads.
0: You know. <laughs> I want his threads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's trying to talk. She's trying to talk to him, and. And how this guy, how Bay could have concentrated? <laughs> I thought the same thing. While she's rubbing her half-naked self all up against yeah, him and yeah. nibbling on his ear and, <laughs> and, and and caressing his neck and all this stuff. Yeah. Oh my God! I'd have given her anything the, in the uh, world. The
1: guys, I mean. the a fortitude I don't, I don't have. Yeah, it's, wow. it's a, because he's actually sitting there. He's just talking about. Yeah, he's basically saying, you know, I have the same blood. That's why he, that's why he likes me, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gonna, you <laughs> yeah, know, they say,
0: it's the old blood argument once again. Oh my god! He's
1: like, I'm going. He's going to give me everything if I do. Just do what he asks. I be powerful. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, dude, you got all you need with that <laughs>
0: right there. <laughs> look at, look
1: to your right.
0: The woman, the half naked woman, rubbing herself against you and just trying to convince you. Hey, I think the dead guy might try to off us. You know. <laughs>
1: And of course, you know, um, and, and you know, she's basically uh, she's basically just sealed her own fate here because uh, uh, I'm an yeah. has heard all this, you know? Yeah, he's
0: off to the side and is hearing this whole conversation. So oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not good. So then we see Nathan talking to the cops, uh, at Scotland Yard and the cops are going, Hey, that's a nice story you got to tell there, but we gotta need have more, proof. Evidence. You have more evidence. Yeah, yeah there's there's mm-hmm. not enough here. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. No good, no good
1: who's for cricket
2: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah really so Amenhotep explains his plan to mummify helen to uh, he, he explains this to asad bey how you know we're going to mummify her
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then we'll then we'll get her spirit into the body and then i'll be i'll be happy and right, everything will right, be good right. and he says he he says by the way i decided that i need zenfir's blood for this ceremony yeah yeah so asad bey has got to make a real tough decision now. He's now, got now, to, and he's Jennifer. Zennifer
1: hears this because remember yeah. she's coming down the stairs and she hears him telling. He she hears she hears this. hears him telling and telling uh, Saibai. obviously not happy about it. You see him hang his head, but you you know he's gonna he's gonna go He's gonna do it now. because this is this is his last test. Uh, yeah, to to prove his his loyalty.
0: So obviously Nathan and Abigail are not thrilled that the cops still won't listen to them. Right. With Sir Douglas dead, they still still not paying them any heed. So that night. They go back to the mm-hmm. the villa mm-hmm. with a rope and grappling hook, and mm-hmm. by God, we're getting in this place tonight. Yeah.
1: And she's in her best uh, rope and grappling hook climbing dress, <laughs> uh, Victorian dress there, Victorian know, dress you? complete yeah. with hat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. She 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 she's looking good, but I yeah. you know she she was not going to climb a rope, and I was impressed by what he did, which was. <laughs> Nathan throws the <laughs> grappling hook, up, climbs the rope, hey, and then yeah. tosses the rope down. Has her tie her tie, yeah. tied around herself, and he pulls her up. Was like, "Damn woman, jeez." Jack Taylor's a man of good breeding. you know. You, know. you got to give the man credit where credit's yeah. due. Mm-hmm. That's true. Should I, at this point, point out that uh, uh, one of the one of the legendary things about Jack Taylor as an actor is not just let's, that he was in a lot of films. Let's let's talk about it for just a brief moment here. Is uh, he's uh, often talked about, and I'll give. Uh, author Brian Sin, uh, a good bit of credit for, for making this very funny over the past few years. Jack Taylor is not blessed with an abundance of emoting skill. One might refer to his version of acting as a tree. As in wooden. And if the wind is blowing correctly, then the tree will evidence some movement. But... Most of the time, Dude. a tree's a tree.
1: Yeah. To put it another way, you do not want to play poker against this guy. This guy is the ultimate poker face.
0: <laughs> I, I, will, I will never forget watching the, the, the film Pieces, mm-hmm. the uh, oh, yeah. the chainsaw slasher film Pieces, right, right. in mm-hmm. which Jack Taylor plays a, a, a large role, and having his expression completely mm-hmm. not change as he walks into a room where there's a dismembered corpse that has, has been chopped up with a chainsaw. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself... Yeah. Here's a man yeah. with either no acting skills or playing a character with the ability to hide every emotion he has ever had <laughs> yeah. since birth. Make your choice.
1: Well, you know, and and to his credit, you know that any horror actor will always tell you that half of half of the battle is is playing the stuff with a straight face. Boy, you cannot get any. <laughs> true you know if he's gonna if he's trying to you know if you need somebody to sell the preposterous it's, it's and, and make and can make it you play it with a straight face it's well here's jack the Taylor. here's the
0: thing i'll never forget the moment the, the the film that i was watching where i realized my god jack Taylor's either either the greatest actor ever or no actor at all <laughs> and that is uh, the jess franco film female vampire
2: mm-hmm.
0: where essentially he's making out with a completely nude mm-hmm. lena Romay. At the height of her Lena Romanes. yeah, yeah, and the expression on his face never changes. And I am thinking, <laughs> dude, you would have to be drugged <laughs> to not be losing your mind <laughs> that you are being told by a man off camera now, grab her breasts, yeah. <laughs> now do whatever sexual thing comes to mind, yeah. and and do not have your facial expression change. <laughs> what in the hell? Uh, it's anyway. It's yeah. Jack Taylor. For all the, all that aside. Jack Taylor does a pretty good job in this movie. He, he does. He has some.
1: He, he has some really nice moments. Uh, he doesn't yeah, do. Yeah.
0: It, he doesn't do what I would call a superlative job. But then again, there's a lot of characters in this film, and yeah, so yeah. he's not. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not on screen. He's on screen a good bit of the time. Mm-hmm. But he's never given anything that I think would be considered too difficult or too outside the range right. of just basic acting skills. Mm-hmm. So he's he's fine here, but. Just, just, just the, as we as we decided to do this film, and I realized, oh God, Jack Taylor's in this. I've, I've got, I've got, to, I've got to, you know, like, you know, count count the number of woodpeckers on his back as we watch this thing. But um, okay, enough, enough about Jack Taylor and his his skill or lack thereof in the acting category. Uh, what we have is them. Grappling, hooking breaking, their way yeah. into the house, breaking into the house.
1: Very noisily breaking in. <laughs> yeah, they
0: they get up to the, the second floor and bust a bust Busted, the glass up yeah. the door. <laughs>
1: Hope nobody heard that. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, thank God it's a huge, huge place. <laughs> Amenhotep jumps, jumps them as they're mm, going through that. They're they're winding mm, through the mm. the shadowy corridors, and a jumps them. Nathan. Plugs him with about three or four bullets. Yeah. One's right. To I love it.
1: One. I love the one that hits him right in the face. is a great touch. And yeah. one hits him right in the cheek, and he just shrugs that off. But it's kind of a nice little effect there, where it like hits him, hits him right in the uh-huh. cheek, and uh, yeah. And he he basically clubs them into submission. And it's nice the way they show it. I love the way the camera cuts to the. Outside the glass door, and you just yeah. see the silhouettes of him of him beating Abigail and, and Nathan uh, into unconsciousness. You know, I think that's well. I really especially
0: nice love the touch of uh, his hand flying with the up gun, the gun with, and, and the gun great. going off one more time, and that and the powder burn on the glass. The powder burn on the glass is yes. a yeah, very, very nice scene. touch.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so they uh, they wake up in their, their. He's clubbed them to unconsciousness. They wake up and they they're chained up in the basement, the, mm-hmm. uh, a basement down somewhere in the house.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That of course turns out to not be too far from the room where that they've set up to, to torture and kill the women and do all these ceremonies. Mm-hmm. But they're chained up there. Bay tells them that, well, you know, we'll, we'll use you as part of the sacrifice tonight. Xenifer mm-hmm. uh, kind of looks unhappy about the whole situation, but, right. you know, not much she can do at this point. This is when we cut to the cops.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: In the middle of the night, the cops are still there, and uh, an officer comes in to the, the kind of head of the investigation that really isn't doing much. And uh, it says they received, received a report about Assad Bay from Egypt. So they've finally gotten some information from Egypt yeah. about Assad Bay. Which is what we we, we don't, we don't know. know. We have no idea. But boy, Watch sure it gets support. his
1: attention. And I, it's whatever's attention.
2: in the
0: report gets the cops' I mean, attention.
1: I mean, did it say he's actually Paul Nashy? <laughs> what Did it say I don't know? <laughs> whatever it was, whatever it was, he looks at this report. But it's kind of interesting that we never really know what it says about a side bay other than whatever it is, he finally gets them off their asses and moving in, and into action. He basically says, get them in with me. We're we're going." And, yep, yep. Uh, yeah.
0: So he, you know, get a few men. We're going out to this villa, and he's got the address, and we're gone. Yeah this point Xenifer sneaks down and uh, releases Nathan undoes mm-hmm. his chains and is like look you've got to mm-hmm. get out of here mm-hmm. you gotta, let's, let's get Abigail and get out of mm-hmm. here but before they can get Abigail released in walks Aside Bay, and we have a fist fight between Nathan and well
1: before that now remember what Aside Bay. well basically Xenifer has freed Nathan and they're trying to free Abigail yeah. when Asai comes in remember he throws the Oh yeah. He sees he sees uh he sees uh Jennifer helping them trying to free Abigail and he takes a knife and throws it and hits her right in the back of the neck
0: and kills her dead. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: Helgolina dies. Yeah, that's always a bad again. yeah no, that's always a sad point of any movie. <laughs> I guess I wanted to
0: skip game. over that because mm-hmm. I don't I don't like saying those words. Yeah, I know. I know. Helga dies. It doesn't there's nothing about that that's good. Yeah. So
1: but yeah, they have a. Now you're right. Nathan and, and outside Bay have a little dust up here, uh, which uh, Nathan actually gets the best out of him, and,
0: and knocks Bay unconscious. Knocks him to the ground
2: unconscious. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he gets uh, Abigail. Abigail loose yeah. and uh, just start, starts to head out of this little dungeon area. Mm-hmm. Amenhotep, in the meantime, has started the ritual with Helen to mummify her,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and this is what Nathan rushes into. Mm-hmm. He's 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 what well, he. He has, a torch. Big,
1: he has this big kettle, or sort of uh, smoking like liquid, or something that's sort yeah. of hovering above Helen's. And by the way, Helen now looks like, really looks like Armana now because I guess he's found an Egyptian wig or something that he's put on. You know, she's well,
0: now. I got, mean, he, they, they, they obviously guy, I guess she's got her They put put her in that, yeah, uh, the, that ceremonial, the ceremonial ceremonial uh, robe that looks, right, right. looks a good bit like the clothing that she was wearing yeah. earlier. So now she's and, yeah, she, now she really
1: really looks like truly like Armana.
0: So yeah. Nathan she, rushes in, grabs a torch, and starts swinging the torch. In the uh, Amenhotep's face, mm-hmm. and of course we all know, fire bad for mummy. Mm-hmm. 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 So uh, about
1: this time, I think is, is this around the time where the where it shows it kind of cuts to the police arriving, and they're they're yes. kind of trying to figure out they're trying to figure out a way into the big house, and then the the, the inspector. Sees down in one of the lower windows, he sort of sees the flickering from the fire and realizes that's down there is where you know where something must be happening. I think yeah, it's yeah, this, it's the
0: only lights in the entire area. So he starts walking down there to see to see mm-hmm. if that's where anyone actually is. Right. Amenhotep catches fire. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he backs actually over. Uh, he, he's backed by the torch wielding Nathan. Camp, but basically, a campfire in the middle of the floor that they've had going underneath. Oh, right. That, okay. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Underneath okay. that uh, boiling kettle mm-hmm. catches fire and goes up like a torch himself. Goes up like a mummy. <laughs> he goes up like a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He goes up like a mummy. Yes, that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. So he's on fire. Bay, in the meantime, has come out of his stupor in the in the other dungeon right. and rushes in.
2: Mm-hmm. And <clears throat>
0: as he run as he rushes in. He is attacked by the burning Amenhotep. Right, yeah. Catches fire himself, and so what we have here <laughs> is Nashi killing Nashi. Yeah, he kills yeah. himself.
1: Yeah, he does. He gives himself a big old hug and catches himself on fire and. Uh, the, yeah, just, I have no understanding. I know there's of this. probably there's all sorts of probably Freudian or psychological uh, <laughs> underpinnings of this, but only Nashi himself knew for sure why. He, why? <laughs> why
0: well, he yeah, what? 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 The hell is this all about? Yeah, but nevertheless, we have the <laughs> we have the mummy killing Assad Bay. The two of them burning up, and the whole place is starting to go up in flames. And right. by
1: the way, I. I have to say that the you know if you, if you are misfortunate enough to have to watch the english dub of this apparently the mummy uh, uh, Amenhotep apparently also turns into a gorilla during this scene because
2: the,
1: the whoever's doing the dubbing i don't know why I, I don't know why they insist on they insisted on having him grunt a lot through the film because he's obviously got his total mental faculties he's not an idiot i mean Amenhotep is obviously still mentally sharp and yet especially in this last scene when he's catching on fire his grunts and groans turn literally sounding like one of the apes from the Planet of the Apes film. It's, 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 it's just a really horrible bit of uh, dubbing. i say <laughs> maybe it's just another means of of, of trying to to, to uh, capitalize on the ape craze. Of the <laughs> Who, 70s. Knows? Who knows? Who knows?
0: <laughs> so them bling there on the floor, burning to death. Uh, Nathan picks up the unconscious Helen, and he and Abigail run out of the burning room and out of the uh, out into the the night outside the room and. Meet the cops there. Yeah,
1: and the inspector, by the way, has has seen the last of what was going on in there through the window when he came over to the window. You know, right, He had right. seen, so he's seen that last
2: little.
0: Climatic. So he's he's seen the mummy walking around. He's seen the thing right. catch fire. He's seen a side bay, mm. the whole nine yards. Helen is un, unconscious. He lays her on the ground there, and as they stand there and watch the cops and uh, Nathan and Abigail stand there and watch, she slowly starts to age in front of their eyes. Mm deteriorate into old age and then just collapse into what appears to be just mummified dust Mm -hmm. the cops well everybody everybody's of course quite puzzled and at that point we have the uh the line that ends the film from the cop
4: professor stark
3: is this the mummy that disappeared from the lansbury foundation
5: inspector
4: that's enough out of you sergeant is this a mummy Yes, Inspector.
0: This is the mummy. So, of course, Scotland Yard helps in covering up yet another mystery. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I love that last scene. I love the way the actors play it. But yeah, it's a uh, you know even even Jack Taylor makes an expression in that you know which basically hey, he, he, you can he tell does. he hates to do it, but he realizes it's, no, it's we're, we're not going to we'd never sell this to the public. We got we gotta toe the yeah. company line here. He, he does it
0: clumsily, but he manages. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, end of film. Mm-hmm. All, uh, in Mummy, Mummy dead. Well, it's yeah. not like a Hammer movie, you know, where Monster Dead movie yeah, over. Credit but still, they
1: have this nice little uh, tragic uh, touch here that you know that they thought they'd saved Helen and they didn't. You know? yeah, it's,
0: yeah. It's, uh, So it ends uh, as so many Nashy films do. It ends tragically. Yes. So, I really like this film. I really, really enjoy this. Uh, I enjoyed going back to this one more than I actually thought I would. Um, I will say this: having the <laughs> Spanish language version. Uh, with subtitles, is a huge improvement oh, man. over the English yes. dub. Yes. Uh, this is the, the first instance, as we're going through them with this podcast, this is the first instance where I can clearly say, wow, mm-hmm. it's it's a leap. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's yeah. a gargantuan leap it is. to uh, to not have to slog through that very mediocre English yeah. dub. It's not very well done. It's not very good. I don't like... I, I really don't like any of the voices.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, right, right. I agree. I don't think any
0: of the I don't think any of the vocal performances are are very good. I don't think any of them are are...
1: very lackluster. It's one of those cases that we see in occasional Nashi films that unfortunately adds to the perception of his own of he himself being a somewhat bland actor. Something because so often he's he's uh, voiced by someone who sounds like they're half asleep. Uh, You know, it's it's frustrating. It's it's not
0: it's not a well done English dub. I will say that I think the first thirty minutes or so of the film has a tendency to be draggy. I pointed out that. Mm-hmm. Over long travelogue of London. Yeah. yeah. That as we switch scenes mm-hmm. from Egypt to London, mm-hmm. I do feel that the the there there are points in the film where a little bit of trimming here and there might have helped right. just to speed it up Good. a little. Yeah. I love the period setting though. I, mm-hmm. there, there's there's something about a mummy movie. I I, I kind of feel mummy movies almost have to take place somewhere from about 1890 yeah, yeah. to maybe about yeah. 1950. That's about as far as I'm willing to give you. After that, mm-hmm. I I just I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to have a mummy walking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, for instance, I cannot imagine a modern day mummy movie.
1: Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I and would um, find that. Yes, you're right, that would uh, that would be a little difficult to to pull off. I think it would.
0: I thought the I, I once again I love the story construction I love Nashi's script mm-hmm. and the way it moves from point to point to point to point to point yeah and it and it really it it flows quite well I love I love the way it moves mm-hmm.
1: so okay well. You're, you might have noticed I was conspicuous by my silence in the early part of our podcast when you were talking about your love for mummies. and <laughs> no, this is one area <laughs> I got. I hate to throw tana leaves on everything, but uh, oh, but sorry, right. it's I have to say. Uh, and yes, folks, this is where um, grown men are going to talk about their what monsters they like and like. But I figure if you've made <laughs> it if you made it with us this far, you're on board for it. So I've always found the mummy to be a little bit of a hard sell for me. You know, it's it's as far as just a general. Figure, uh, iconic figure, whatever, I can, you know. I can
0: our, understand. I can
1: understand. Um, yeah, I just... I hate you now. Yeah. <laughs> we well, This ends our friendship. Now, we'll see this, this. ends
0: our friendship. It's over, yeah, Troy. This <laughs> is it. We're done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... it's I, I guess one of the problems with me is is, is that it seems to be uh, a lot of times it's, it's kind of like you have these two things. It's either punish the infidels or resurrect the uh, the female that we longed for, you know, in so yeah. many cases. It's those that seem to be and, and to me that gets so repetitive. I do... There's a lot of things I agree with you about, starting off with, you know, one is that I do agree with you that this is the best Mummy film next to the Hammer, Hammer Mummy. The movie, to me, really, I don't know overall if I, I like it quite as much as you, but I do really like it, but I found one thing you said about how it got better with the repeat yeah. viewings. I really, because to me, it really did. To me, the first time I watched it, I didn't dislike it, but I found it, you know, no pun intended, a bit stiff and dry, you know, at, at times, <laughs> you know, I found it, but... Obviously, for these podcasts, we watched them several times, and I really found each time so many more layers coming out of it. To the point that yeah. I really respect a lot about it. There are things of it that are still kind of frustrating, maybe because the good stuff stands out even more. Is that there's things that maybe sometimes just because of some of the the um, uh, things that don't quite add up about like what the you know what the these rituals and and, and, and you know things that kind of oh, contrast the, the with overly complicated
0: and stuff. rules yeah. for these rituals. And, uh,
1: but um, I really did every time that I watched the film more and more of it. Came to the fore to me, but I don't, you know, I probably would not have watched it that many times if not for doing this podcast. So my final take on it is, it really, with each viewing, it grew in my eyes to the point that now, one thing I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this, this, you know, October season to finally do what you said you always do, which is to rewatch the Universal Mummies uh, because yeah. it has been like a long time for me. But just what I, you know, obviously I still have watched them several times, but it's just been a lot of years. But from what I remember of them and of watching the Hammer sequels too, then again, I do agree with you that, that this is next to the Hammer's first Mummy film. You know, I really think that this is the best Mummy film. I like the fact, you know, Nashi did, one of the things he did that was nice, uh, is that really, and you you have to correct me on this since you're more familiar with the, the, the Mummy films in general, but I think it's the first time since the Karloff Mummy uh, Universal Karloff mummy, that the mummy is basically in charge of himself. That it's basically his agenda, because it seems like in every other film the mummy is either in yep. thrall to somebody else, or he's basically enacting out. Well, no, not just in the not by... in the
0: Hammer mummy film, not in the Hammer film, but in the Universal films. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, the the four the four Universal mm-hmm. mummy films of the forties. Uh, he is essentially a tool mm-hmm. who's being used. Who at one point or another turns on the person who's control the high right. priest? See, that's who's another thing too. Is
1: eventually they turn on. Well, yeah. see, I thought that's what happened in the hammer mummy as well. I thought that for a while he was being controlled. He, w- he, he and was, and then he eventually, he obviously, went, eventually he does rebel. Eventually, does rebel. he does rebel. But in this case, you've got a mummy who basically, you know, he's the mastermind behind it all. He's and he's and he's not in he's not a slave to something else. And and I he's the bo- that, he's the boss. Yeah, and yeah. I like that about it. That was kind of different. Um,
0: Very true. Mm-hmm. The now I will say this: the mummy is easily the lowest regarded. Of the classic, you know, monster characters, uh, with with good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. See,
1: I think it's great you like them so much because it is so uh, you so rarely run uh, into somebody I'm who so says strange. like who loves who loves I'm the just a weirdo though, no, man, but I think it's, it's great. I love those. Yeah, you're films. not like our normal people who love you know us normal people who just love the werewolf and Dracula and Frankenstein monster. You know, it's well, a, I like those. You're two. the freak. I, mean, I, I love yeah. them, and, and
0: and it's it's a very strange thing. It's hard to put into words exactly why the the mummy movies draw me mm-hmm. in so much. Mm-hmm. There's something as I've said, I'm not. I'm not fascinated by mm. Egyptology or right. anything of that nature
2: right
0: I just find something about about the mummy character kind of fascinating and I'm I can't really put my finger on it maybe it's the the, the silence maybe it's the look maybe it's the eternal life aspect of it the kind of tortured mm. eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure, but I, I I I do love them. I understand exactly why the yeah. mummy is never going to be yeah. the you know as popular a, mm-hmm. a monster character
2: mm-hmm.
0: because it's a it's a it's a strange and very limited thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's no secret that as good as this film is, it's not like Nashy ever felt like, hey man, time to make a sequel to that puppy. Mm-hmm. Let's try yeah. another mummy film. It's yeah, no, yeah it's, it it's kind of
1: like his one shot at it, and and yeah, I think he kind of said everything he wanted to say with the, yeah. with the one take on it
0: and and after after a while like I say as much as I love those four those four universal movies in the 40s after a while they were they were beating a dead horse and then they were beating the dead horse's corpse and then they were trying to find the <laughs> grave of the dead horse so that they could beat it but mm-hmm. I still enjoy them
2: um mm-hmm. uh,
0: can't really tell you exactly why or, or whatever. I will say this uh, from the issue of Video Ooze, where uh, Nashi commented on it on uh, most of his own films, he says, A stupendous film that has much of the feeling of Egyptian papyrus or papyrus, <laughs> papyrus there, know, yeah, and Japan. the dust of the mummy and has all the ingredients of the Victorian era. It also has a somewhat slow pace in a few parts, so even he admits to what mm. I was talking about. Yeah. He says, This is purposely done because the film required that treatment. In short, it had all the necessary ingredients of the ancient ancient Egyptian rites. The music is also very successful, and I agree. Yeah, definitely. The film is serious, the period is very well reconstructed, and much care was given to the costumes.
2: Yeah. Very true.
0: Furthermore, this was the first appearance of the mummy of a pharaoh. Prior to that, mummies had always been great dignitaries History. or priests, oh, and this that. one wore the great condor, the symbol of the pharaohs. He refers to it as a very interesting film. This is, uh, as with all of the, all four films he did with, with Carlos Alred as director, this is a strong movie that I think only gets stronger the more you watch it, mm-hmm. just like Horror Rises from the Tomb, and as I think we'll discover mm-hmm. with the other two films.
1: Unlike Horror Rises from the Tomb, however, I have to say, and again this gets back to the fact that just the way it hit me the first time and then just hit me so much more, you know, or, or revealed so much more to me with successive viewings, is I don't think. I feel like this film would, would be one that I would could probably only recommend to Nashi Completist or Mummy Completist. I don't know that I feel that I could recommend it as strongly as I could.
0: I think if someone really enjoyed the Hammer Mummy movies, especially mm, the first mm-hmm, one, mm-hmm. or even, you know, Blood from the Mummy's mm-hmm. Tomb, the, the later ones they made in the 60s, Mummy Shroud. If they like those, they might get a kick out of this one. They might enjoy this
1: one. Yeah, yeah, but um, but we have to say again, probably only this subtitled, you know, only only the, the Spanish oh yeah, cut. Yeah. Only this. I, I really, would never show anyone I would, the English. I myth. would
0: seriously attempt to dissuade anyone from yeah. trying to slog through the English dub. Right. It's it's just atrocious. Yeah. I I don't normally complain a, an awful lot about the English dubbing of a lot of these mm. films from this period, but man, this one sucks. Yeah. There's no other way to say it. So. Mm.
1: So you feel like to fans of like a certain type of like the gothic or like the the hammer type of, of, of horror you think would 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 I think take so. this one pretty yeah.
0: well oh yeah yeah I think that this has elements of the look and feel because they're in color mm-hmm. of the hammer especially the first hammer mummy film I think that mm-hmm. if they enjoy that one mm-hmm. they might enjoy this one as well mm-hmm. I real I really do I think that this is a, a a kind of step into a little bit more violent territory but I think mm-hmm. it has yeah. a, a, a similar feel. To the Hammer Mummy films that were done, I have to say this is there's it's an, there's an amazing amount of violence in the film. We talked about it, yes. and uh, it, it, I think it must be the most violent mummy movie ever made. I, 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 mean, I would have to say that crushed heads everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other other mummy movies that talked about crushed heads. I mean, in the Universal films, it was all strangulation. Yeah, yeah. But in the Hammer Mummy films, we were talking about crushed heads, and it's yeah. always off frame with right. people wincing as they see it happen and things right. like that. Here, it's right there in your face, man. It's it's bloody and it's and it's well, it's gory.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: For me, this is one of the most satisfying Mummy movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I will it's, it's, it's well rounded, and I like this. I like the script, and I like the flow of the story, and I, I like mm-hmm. the way it's put together. It's, yeah. it's a good film. I
1: think. Uh, again, I, I really, you know, I'm so impressed by um, Nashi's depiction of the Victorian society. You know, oh, yeah. it's, 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 I just really think he captured captured it very well. Did the dialogue and uh, so much of what they say really rings true. To that time period, what you would picture, the way the characters would express things, you know, and, and, and their ideas, their takes on things. Uh, something I want to bring up here that I thought was sure. very very interesting because I, you could probably go back through the whole film and 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 almost view it a different way. Uh, Nashi says this in the uh, recent issue of Rue Morgue. Uh, they they printed an interview one, the, I guess uh, one of the last interviews he did, and he's talking about the movie. And I thought this was just fascinating. Is he that uh, they, they asked him? how there's virtually no nudity. Of course, we we know we, we're missing the uncut, but they're talking about how the, the eroticism is toned down in the film. And Nashi's response is, he says, I consider the mummy less erotic than other characters, like the werewolf or the vampire. The ancestral love of ages is more important because the mummy is not supposed to be
2: equipped. Now, what
1: he's basically saying oh, here sure. is that the mummy is... I, now, I don't know if this is... Again, anybody out there that knows more about Egyptian I don't know. I knew mummies have their... You know, internal organs they they they, don't. But but it's uh, now uh, what he's basically saying is the mummy's castrated. You know, that's how I read that is that the mummy doesn't have sexual organs. And so what he says here, because it says here in parentheses, I mean it says here in quotation marks, says because the mummy's not supposed to be equipped. It says, I use the idea of love. He falls he falls in love with this woman who's supposed to be the queen of his dreams from the pharaoh's age. But he cannot fulfill anything because he is sexless because the mummy is a dry being, many thousands years old. It's not the same thing that the werewolf is. Goes on to say, uh, he says, I think that the mummy also has the idea of love, of love for his queen, and I wanted to emphasize this respectful love spanning thousands of years, more than an erotic feeling. So, I started thinking, like, if you view this in terms of a creature who is basically impotent, uh, is yeah. is you know is basically unique, is is what he is what it seems to me, like he's saying here, and and it's it's to me, it's really makes kind of a, an interesting take on on not only thought of of his his kind of of, of reverence for you know which, you know they described her as his concubine yeah it makes me wonder if Nashi viewed the pharaoh himself as being something of a uh, maybe an impotent character to begin with in the sense of maybe that's why his 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 torture of women his 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 viciousness towards him and also even the whole scene of
0: so the sadism essentially cover up for an impotent man with a lot of power
1: yeah and 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 the whole thing about him not being on the battlefield with his army you know and his army basically getting defeated i mean he suffers this big defeat that he's not even a part of you know to me this is all kind of again I see what I you're mean, say, you know, I see what you're saying that's that just kind of makes it, it would make an interesting reading of the film I think that way you know it's a, as
0: essentially the this tyrannical sadistic mm, Pharaoh mm-hmm. as a well mm-hmm. an impotent man acting mm-hmm. out his frustrations think, on
1: his subjects think about twice in the movie uh, he interrupts uh, either either sex, either post or pre-sex between couples, when he attacks them, you know, yeah. he attacks them right in the moment of either before sex or after sex. It's just, it's, it's an interesting it's an, uh, an, it's look an at interesting
0: it. read of the film, and I don't know that uh, it's, I don't know that it's one that was put there. As we've discussed before, I have dozens of questions <laughs> about every damned one of his I know. films. I know. I know. that I would love to have put to him. But this is obvious.
1: You cannot expect most of the audience to think about the the character this way. But yeah. it's interesting that he thought about the character this way, but didn't explicitly state it in the film. That that the character at any point you know that was 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 not equipped as he says you yeah know, it's very it's, it's an that's it's that's that's
0: an interesting read and it's not something that I'd ever I'd ever mm-hmm. thought about even having gone through the film you know several times now mm-hmm. but uh, that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting question it's a different way of looking at it and it's one that I would not put it past him to obviously from what he's mm-hmm. saying there mm-hmm. he's put some thought into this as to how yeah. this character is going to act and react
1: right and so, it also also if you look at uh, if you look at Amenhotep's um, what he does, uh, having what he does to Zenifer now. Now, admittedly, he heard Zenifer talking to you know. He knew that she was kind of plotting against him, but also he's just you know when he's watching them, you know, and she's all over Assad Bay, you know, and yeah. it's kind of like he determines at that point that he's going to have Assad Bay sacrifice her as well, you know. Is once again is he is there a certain hatred, a certain jealousy among their ability to be intimate? Intimate,
0: yeah, yeah quote unquote. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure.
1: So, I wanted to ask you something about the end of the film. Obviously, it's it's kind of a a, you know a shock and kind of a tragic ending. Obviously, when they bring out Helen, they think we think they rescued Helen,
2: yeah,
1: and then she deteriorates right in front of their eyes. Now, he didn't complete the ritual. You know, they caught they caught him before he could even whatever he was going to do with the knife. You know, they broke it on him, so the ritual was never completed. Um, I want to know what do you make of the ending? Um, do you think that it? Do you think it's just like it's effective on its own, but doesn't make sense of what we've seen, or does there, or or is there a way that it makes sense to you what happens to her, why she deteriorates there? I mean, have you thought about the? What oh, one? it made it,
0: it it made sense to me in, in in the film because it seems as if he was in the process of, of mm-hmm. completing this ritual, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, and the ceremony got interrupted. So my 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 feeling is that he had. Already done something to her that "quote unquote" killed her before he mummified her.
1: Okay, so they, they don't spell it out because mm-hmm.
0: they want you to think that she she's can, safe,
1: right? She, obviously she's that's safe supposed to be a shock end. when She deteriorates there, yeah.
0: And what you know, whatever mm-hmm. process she was supposed to finish going through, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't finished because the ceremony gets interrupted. He's not able to complete whatever he was doing, mm-hmm. and that's why. So I, I have the the feeling I've always had is that the shocker is that. She had been killed before he started okay. that ceremony. Before he went mm-hmm. to mummify her,
1: I thought it was a yeah. I mean, to me, it to me it makes a certain amount of sense because I didn't think of it necessarily in those terms. But I like the you know I think it's kind of a a little bit of a clue that when when they see her deteriorating, it does that quick cut to where they kiss, where the mummy, where where they first yeah. and they kiss. It almost suggests it almost suggests that she was lost at that point, which I think is kind of a, a new way. Almost, yeah, that's true. It, it almost yeah. suggests that that our honest spirit. Almost at that point was already, like you know was, was already gone. in her or yeah. something or, or that Helen was gone. And that Helen, Helen was because, gone because and and I think it's just the character of Helen you know throughout the film we played some clips from it too where she's talking about this guilt over uh, what happened with her mother and with her with with Professor you know and his his accident and her guilt over that and and uh, I think that it's it it's a very nice touch of Nashi's kind of sense of tragedy and the fact that I think that it, all that kind of ties into the end is that she's sort of a doomed character from the first yeah. And she's really not a bad character, and that's what obviously ties into the tragedy. Is Helen herself is not is not like an evil an evil person, but they talk about her and her mother's, and, and it's obviously this blood from Armana has, has been is still with her, so it kind of makes it where she's sort of a, a doomed character that doesn't even realize it, you know, and that there's no real saving saving her just because of the blood that's you know because of what she's inherited from this evil, from where Armana began. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I, I think. As, that, in other
0: words, as a descendant of this mm-hmm. evil woman, she's essentially got one foot in the grave as it is. Yeah, yeah, one strike against her, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. That's it's just I, one I,
1: way to read it there, but I just wanted to see what you thought of her character and how she ends up, and if that all ties in with you. If you thought that made sense or
0: it's an interesting read, mm-hmm. I think it fits. I to, to me, like I said, it just always seemed to me as if we had just not been shown
1: mm-hmm. that what had already taken, already taken place.
0: But you're right, that quick cut. Uh, as mm-hmm. she starts to deteriorate mm-hmm. to the, the two of them kissing. Mm-hmm. That does lend itself to, th- to kind of getting across the idea that at that point, Helen's gone.
1: And I tell you what, it almost gives it a little bit of a sense that they've won. I mean, to me, it almost is a little bit of a hint of almost like the mummy is triumphed in sort of a way because their spirits... He does, in a sense. I am mean, a Well His body's steals, now destroyed.
0: Yeah, so. and and
1: and they you know maybe in somewhere you know possibly somewhere their spirits are together. But in a sense, it's just showing that them kissing again. It almost just gives a weird little hint that 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 maybe in some weird way that they triumphed, you know, in a strange that he got what he wanted. You know, it's just a that's that's
0: a, that's a interesting. I didn't I didn't read it that way, but yeah. that's that's not mm-hmm. a bad that's not mm-hmm. a bad interpretation. You're right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, All right. I think that wraps up uh, the Vengeance of the Mummy. A film I very much like mm. just really quickly I would put this in the upper tier I would put this up in the upper 30 mm. percentile of of Nashi's monster movies I really mm. like this movie quite a bit I I used to think of it as kind of a mid-range one but mm. these recent reviewings especially of the Spanish language version mm. really upped this film in my mm. estimation would have
1: yeah I would have I started I started at the point of having about mid-range it has it has it it did it again I think it for me it took some working with but uh but yeah. I found it very rewarding to do that I'm glad I did because it did raise it in my estimation you know I don't again I don't know quite to the level that you see it in, but I, I do like it a lot if they had thrown Godzilla into it I probably would have you know it would have
0: you know you know me it would you know, <laughs> well, you know, they, they throw my, a 40 foot a 40foot green lizard mm, monster in it mm, mm, and you're gonna it's gonna eight. it's gonna be that that's much true, better for you true uh, more nudity
1: would have helped, and uh, you know. Well, yeah. But, but. yeah
0: if, we, if anybody ever unearths a beautiful, pristine print of the the okay. unclothed version of this yeah. thing, whoo, yeah. boy, I'll be writing yeah. a check.
1: Yeah. have us on speed dial. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Get contact us immediately. Speaking of contacting us, you can get a hold of us through our email address, which is nashicast at gmail.com. Please send all your comments there. Mm-hmm. Uh, any gifts of money as well. Hey, we're open to whatever you want to give us, <laughs> good or bad. Mm-hmm. for our For our next, for the fifth Nashi Cast, uh, we've decided to take a step outside the uh, monster films for mm-hmm. one episode, and we're going to try one of his crime movies. The one we've hit upon is one that we, once again, have two different versions of. Mm. We have uh, the version known as Crimson, which is available on a domestic, on a Region 1 uh, DVD. Uh, from. Uh, it's part of the Euroshot collection. It came out several years ago. Still available through Amazon for about 10 bucks, brand new, or you can get used copies for about $5. Mm. Uh, but we're also going to be reviewing di- a different version of the film, which I think is a Spanish-language version. I'm not... Positive mm. called the Man with the severed head and it 's not a horror movie <laughs> it 's not it 's not a horror movie, it is a crime film, but it does have some horrific elements. I watched it once several years ago, and i 'll have to say that i wasn 't overly impressed with it on that viewing but the idea of of uh, going back through a different version of it with uh, kind of fresh eyes is really yeah. really kind of yeah, appealing I'm to me
1: too and i haven't seen it at all in any form so this is really interesting for me i'm looking forward to watching
0: it. so this this will be the this will be the first time we're going into uh, one of these films completely yeah. blind for one of us right and uh,
1: but sorry Rod there's probably no mummies
0: in it <laughs> no mu- uh, no mummies man it's not going to be any fun <laughs> there's no fun day no mummies but there are also no wolfmen so no oh, well. Join us next time, uh, a month from now, as we walk our way through Crimson, aka the man with the severed head, on the Nashycast. I'm Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we will talk to you later.